0: Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Bataround. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me as always is my producer and co-host, extraordinaire Zach Goodman. It is a beautiful Saturday here in the Towson and Baltimore area. A little overcast, but it's not. Uh, devils taint hot outside, so that's good. Wow! Uh, today's show is <laughs> brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It's the best place for the for all the big upcoming events. Uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Bet on every sport with sixty one self service kiosks open twenty four seven, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Betting pads are coming to the FanDuel Sportsbook during football season. You'll be able to bet right from your seat while you watch all of the biggest pro and college games. Make your plans to hang out with your friends and reserve your spots for football season right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. Zach, I think that this third mic is not muted.
1: Uh, It is. It is indeed muted.
0: I'm getting a lot of echo here.
1: Hmm, must be on mine, then. I don't know. We can close the door. That might help. Yeah, let's close the door. Okay, let's, let's do that. Let's,
0: let's get that door closed. I think that that's actually exactly what it is now that you mentioned it. it. You put the Zach in exactly. Right? Right? Is that good? That wasn't good? No? I don't know.
1: It felt good. It felt right. That, yeah, that's much better. Is it? Nope. Everything sounds the same. Really? I I don't know. It sounds fine to me. I'm not having issues with getting Whatever. It's all right. As long the as joke, I'll, by the way... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was okay. It's, okay. it's,
0: it's, it's hit or miss, most of, the hit time, or miss. It's, most of the time for me. It's miss. Anyway, so <laughs> somebody that's or people that aren't missing. It's a great segue, Paul. The, uh, <laughs> great the Baltimore Orioles pick up their fourth consecutive win last night, go, uh, going out and defeating the Pittsburgh Pirates one to nothing. The Orioles left twenty-seven men on base last night. Twenty. There was not one hitter in the Orioles lineup that did not strand at least one runner.
1: Twenty. Twenty-seven. Twenty. 20. I, I know it was a lot, but twenty-seven is a astounding number, really, uh, yeah. when you think about it. Like that's, it's a lot. Yeah. It was. Um. It was not a good day for offense. And the thing is,
0: the Orioles were get, uh, clearly they were getting on base if they stranded twenty-seven runners. Sure. Now. now yeah. Now, for the team left on base, um, they went 2-for-15 with runners in scoring a position. One of those was an infield hit by Terran Vavra that didn't even score a run. The other hit was the next batter. That was Ramon excuse me, Ramon Arias, who had a little bounding uh, ball. That So they had the corners in, and they had the shortstop in the second baseman at, in double play depth. Yeah, And he hit a ground ball in the 5-hole that if the third baseman's playing back, that's it's it's basic it's a ground out. Mm-hmm. But because Cabrian Hayes was playing in on the grass, uh the corners were in, it got by him, it got into left field past the 50 foot radius arm stretch of uh O'Neal <laughs> Cruz and got man's again to get into left field to score the only run of the ball game. But yeah, I'm I'm looking at it and Mullins one left on base, Brutchman two left on, Santander four left on, Mountcastle three, Vavra one, Arias three, Odor four, Mateo six, wow. Phillips three. Um they only struck out three times the entire game along with three walks. Two of those strikeouts were Brett Phillips
1: does we're, not shock me. Yeah, we're, we'll we're, we're,
0: we're going to get to that here pretty soon. Um, but look, the Orioles, they had 10 hits. They scored one run. Dean Kramer, absolutely fantastic last night. Six in the third innings, four hits, no walks, no runs, two strikeouts. Yeah. Um, he only threw 83 pitches in those six in the third innings. Uh, he, he gives up the double. I was surprised to see Hyde take him out. But it's also kind of one of those things where you don't mind it because you know how good the Orioles bullpen sure. is. You have O'Neill Cruz coming up against a tough lefty in CNL Perez, and O'Neill Cruz is hitting on he's hitting like 186 yeah. against lefties this year. And we've seen Kramer implode in the past. Yeah. And Hyde took him out before he had an opportunity to do that, takes him out with the feel good vibes. He had retired 14 straight before he gave up that double right. uh, with one out in the sixth inning. Uh, to to be taken out of the game. But look, solid win for the Orioles. Yeah, they didn't get a a ton of hits with runners in scoring position. They left a ton of guys on base. But if the other team doesn't score, you only need to score one. And that's what the Orioles did. They pick up that victory. Were you nervous at all Uh, with Felix Bautista there in the ninth
1: inning? You know, with most rookies, I think I would be, um, you know, given the fact that they haven't really pitched in those, you know, kind of experiences that often. So, this was really a first for, for him, and it was the really, I think, the closest game he's pitched in the ninth inning. He has pitched in the ninth inning, I believe, before, but it just he, hasn't he been had, this close. He had, he, has th- um, he had three saves on right, the year. He so, got two
0: in St. Louis when Jorge Lopez was on the Correct, correct.
1: And, and I don't think they were one-run saves, though. No. I think they were a little bit more than that, and Brandon Hyde knows that, and... The fact that he's a little bit older I believe he's 28 and he's mm-hmm. a little bit more experienced he's been around for a little bit longer than most rookies you know most rookies are talking 24 25 this guy's a little older so I I do actually have a lot of trust in him and I think that you know he's he's going to be their long-term closer at least for now they're going to to, to put that in their plans um, and I love the fact that Brandon Hyde has that confidence in him and I, I think that he's certainly pitched well enough and proven this year that you know he's more than just a rookie he's an impact reliever right now and mm-hmm. that he can go in there in really any situation and shut it down like he did last well, night, he so throws, it's great.
0: He threw 17 fastballs last night, and all, <laughs> and all of yeah. them were over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. All of them. And you're watching the game, right? And I'm watching this in the ninth inning, and, and Ben Gamble gets the base hit, and then yeah. Cabrian Hayes comes up, and it's a nine-pitch at bat. And Batiste is pumping fastball mm-hmm. after fastball after fastball, and he's, and Cabrian Hayes is just fouling him off. And you're sitting there, and you're watching this, and you're like, I don't feel good about this. He finally throws a splitter, and he misses the zone yeah. by a good bit. of high, and it's, it's, it's high. And he he ends up walking to Brian Hayes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, no. I I turned into my father Mm -hmm. in that moment. uh, Because (laughs) literally what went through my head is, O'Neill Cruz is a monster. He is. He's like Aaron Judge light right
1: now. Apparently, he hit the home. He hit the uh, the warehouse in, with with a home run in, in batting practice. Did he that, really? That was the rumor. I think Zach Silver, one of the Orioles beat writers, tweeted that out. But I'd have to. I'd have to see who it was. But yes, I don't he know did. that
0: anybody's done that. I
1: don't think anybody has. But yeah. O'Neill Cruz apparently did it yesterday.
0: Well, so O'Neill Cruz comes up, and you know that this dude is sitting dead red on a fastball. Yes. Yeah. He he's looking to get. A hundred mile an hour fastball, middle in, get out in front of it, yeah. and pull that thing for for a three run homer. And I'm and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "That's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's what's going to happen." And it didn't happen. He strikes him out, and then he ends up getting uh he ends up striking out Kevin Newman, no relation to Melanie uh, to, <laughs> to end the game. Orioles get the win, one to nothing. Now look, yeah. Kramer, great game, six in the third shot innings, four hits, no walks, two Ks, ERA down three forty three. This time last week, we were talking about what do you do about about dean kramer sure because he hasn't looked good in his last five starts era above six his last five starts um there's one start mixed in there where he gave up nothing yeah um in five and a third innings now look it's against pittsburgh they have the second worst record in the national league so we're not going to get all you know up in arms about this like oh my gosh he's back he's back yeah some a big league ball club with some quality bats in that lineup um what's your who is dean kramer Because at this point, we've seen really good Dean Kramer. We've seen really bad Dean Kramer. We've seen kind of mediocre... Who is this guy?
1: You know, one thing Kramer is known for in the minors um, was to be having a great outing, and then he'd come out in the fourth or fifth inning, and he'd have a huge inning where he'd just blow up. So first of all, I want to say, I really like Brandon Hyde pulling him when he did, because you don't want Dean Kramer to blow up. Because when he does, he clearly loses all confidence. I think Dean Kramer is one of the biggest head cases on this team. And I think it's unfortunate, but I think Dean Kramer really thinks about everything way too much and gets in his head about every single pitch. And I think that's one of his key problems. I think that... You know when he starts thinking about things and when he starts stressing, he really turns into a different pitcher than he is when he's calm. Um, And last night, I think he was calm throughout that entire game. I think he was throwing strikes. He was confident, and I think confidence—if he can just stay confident and know that he can get these hitters out—I think that's the biggest thing because it's not about stuff. I mean, it's it's clearly there. You look at the cutters he was throwing. You look at the fastballs—they're getting guys to swing and miss. It's—he's clearly got the stuff. It's just about confidence for me and being able to repeat it over and over and staying out of your head. And I, I think that's where he will really succeed. So who is he? I mean, I think he's that pitcher last night as long as he can keep his confidence.
0: Well, yeah, and, and you saw that at the beginning of the year uh, where yeah. he was just, he was clearly pitching with confidence. You know yeah. what I mean? He, he came out and he's like, you know what I can do? I can get big league hitters out of He's pitching right. with confidence. And then he starts giving up a home run here, a few runs there, and then the next thing you know, he's back to 2021, 20, Dean right. Kramer. I think he's somewhere in between. I don't know that he's a guy that, that throws six in the third shutout innings, but I think he's a guy that can pitch to maybe a four- Oh, a, I, a four to four twenty ERA. Sure, that uh, through, through thirty three starts in a season. You know, but which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. This, this isn't you know nineteen ninety <laughs> to ninety nine where you have got like Pedro Martinez sure. and, and Greg Maddox and Mike Mussina dominating. You right. know what I mean? I had to throw Mike Mussina in there because of course, of course, Mike Mussina. But um, you, you, this is. This is a day and age where everybody throws 100 miles an hour. Everybody can get around on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and the goal is to hit home runs and pretty much do nothing else. So a 420 ERA for me is plenty good this day and age. That's all you're Um, looking for from a 4 or 5 guy. And his ERA's .8 runs better than that right now. So we'll take that. Now, Taren Vavra finally starts getting some playing time. Three more hits last night. He's 6 for 13 with five walks since being called That'll work. He's reached base in nine of his last ten plate appearances. The one plate appearance that he didn't reach on was last night, and it was a short hop to third base that was booted. Right. I thought that they could have get. That I, I I honestly, if they had given him a hit, I wouldn't have been surprised because it was a tough play.
1: It was tough. Yeah, I mean, it should be made it by should, a major it, league it, player. It but. should be
0: made, but you don't know if, if Taron Valver coming out of the box and the ball hit that weekly uh-huh. uh, getting that head start out of the left-handed batter's box. You don't know if maybe he beats that out. Right. He could have. He sure. could have. And it was a, it was a tough play. But he still got on base, but it didn't count as reaching base by a hit or a walk. Right. This is a guy who is batting fifth last night. Look, he doesn't have the power to bat fifth. But uh, he's earning the opportunity mm-hmm. to play every day. Yeah. He's earning that opportunity because he's hitting and he's getting on base. Right. And you can tell by the at-bats. Look, look, everybody goes through a slump where they swing at pitches they shouldn't have. They kind of get mm-hmm. away from the player that they are suppo- that they normally are. And they, they have a hard time. And that's gonna happen with Terran Bobber. It happens to everybody. But this is one of those guys you can tell isn't going to have prolonged slumps right. because he takes professional at-bats.
1: He does. I mean, we look at the discipline of Adley Rutschman, and we talk so much about that. Two more and walks it, last night. Right, I mean, he, he just gets on base. And and you look at Taron and it's, it's not as good as Adley Rutschman, but it's it's sort of that same kind of thing where a lot of times where he's at the plate, you know he knows the strike zone, and you know he knows what he's doing up there, where he's just not going up there and swinging, sort of like a guy named Ryan Mountcastle at the moment, where you're just swinging everything and chase everything. No, this guy knows the the zone and he has a great idea of what the swing at and pitch selections up there so to me you know Vavra is a guy who's gonna get on base a lot especially with you know walks he's gonna he's gonna draw a lot of them so it's it's great to see I'm glad he's finally getting some playing time because we're gonna door guys not great well Vavra's
0: is a career a lifetime over 300 hitter he, in is, the minor leagues. Yeah. he gets on base at around the 370 clip for his career yeah in the minors maybe higher I, I could I think he might be higher than that yeah it's, and, and it's high he, he's that's who he is. Right. Now, look, maybe he doesn't get the same kind of looks that other prospects do because he doesn't hit right. twenty-five to thirty. He's never going to hit that many home runs in a year. He might hit five to ten. Five to right, right, right. But if this is a guy that's going to get on base and he's got speed to steal bases on top yeah. of that, that helps your ball club. You mentioned Roof Neto door four for his last thirty-five, batting average down to one ninety-three. Yeah. With Vavra playing so well, how can the Orioles justify now? Look, and when I say that, they've been DHing Vavra. Hmm. Right. I'm at a point now where let him play second base. Yeah. Put O'Dor on the bench, and let's see what you had. Let's see what you got here. And to that point, I don't want to steal the thunder from okay. the Orioles banter. But I'm going to. A, I'm <laughs> going to a little bit. Gunnar Henderson needs to be here. Gunnar Henderson needs to be here. And you, you can you can have him play third base, you can have Ramona Arias play second, you can have Vavra DH, or okay. you can have D- Vavra play second and Ramona Arias DH. Mm-hmm. You can also have t- opportunities to, to get Arias some rest and DH Rutschman. Ruch- you have flexibility with your uh, roster if you DFA Odor and you call up Gunnar Henderson. Henderson last night, a home run, a double. He's slashing 296, 398, 548, 946 in yep. AAA.
1: That's pretty damn good. There's no doubt what he's doing is uh, unprecedented. And
0: and he's only gone hitless in back-to-back starts
1: once Wow. for Norfolk. And that
0: was July 1st and 3rd. Wow. There's another time where he went back-to-back games without a hit, but the other one was a pinch-hit appearance. He didn't start the game. He had a pinch-hit appearance in the ninth, and he got hit by a pitch. So it doesn't even count as as an official plate appearance. Um, Only gone hitless back-to-back games once since he's been called up to Norfolk I've reached my point where he has nothing left to prove. He has nothing left to prove, and you get him to the big league level. He's not going to do this at the big league level. But you know what yeah. he is going to do? He's going to take professional at bats,
2: mm-hmm. and that's what
0: mm-hmm. you want right now. Ruth Dor is not taking professional bats. No, he he's been a rally killer when the Orioles were playing Texas um, on Monday. And they had an opportunity to score some runs. He came up in two separate occasions with less than two outs, runners in scoring position. The Orioles had already uh, gotten something going in that inning, maybe scored yeah. a run or two, and got out to kill a rally. And he did it the other day where they where they were rallying, and it was it was at that um the final game against Texas. And he came yeah. up and the Orioles had scored, what was it? They had that four run or five run inning.
1: And he it, and, it, 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 it was a five run it, inning, and yeah.
0: he had I, I think he had two of the outs.
1: I think he did. Yeah. It, he, it, it, He's certainly not playing well. I mean, we—I think the—but for me, the conversation between you know, g- getting rid of Rugnet Door and bringing up Gunnar Henderson is two different things. I, I think Henderson—he's still twenty-one years old—and yes, what he's doing is unprecedented. There is no doubt about that. He's performing it at ridiculous levels. However, I'm still in the camp where the Orioles are not competing this year. Most likely, they might—you know—they might make—they you know, might, right, make, might make the wild card spot, but they probably won't. It's unlikely. We don't know. I'm not going to say one way or the other. However, I think if the Orioles were, you know, really competing for either to win the division or if they were, I mean, you know, three or four games ahead in the wild card race and they really had a good shot... I think bringing up Gunnar Henderson will be warranted, but with still being, what, one and a half games back from the wild card spot now, I I just don't really see the need for a 21-year-old yet. I just worry that, you know, it, it's just too soon, and I think if you throw him in next year, and and Michael Elias has made it very clear that they are competing next year 100%. They're going all in. I think he just fits better next year, and I think letting him just take at-bats and and get consistent at-bats down to AAA right now is still more important. I don't want to say that he's not ready, because he probably is. He's 21 years old, but he's probably ready. I just worry that right now is not the right time, because it's still not... You're really not competing for the playoffs just yet. You're really not. Well... You might be, but you're probably not. Uh, uh, All right. So I think the conversation between Odor and Henderson is different, if that makes sense.
0: Well, they're not going to DFA Odor... With nobody to replace him. Right. Uh, and, sure. they're, and, and they're not going to replace him with an outfielder. Right. right. And they're not yeah. going to replace him with Richie Martin. Hopefully not. <laughs> so, Hopefully not. So if you're going to, d- they're probably not going to DFA him. See, because I, I, Brandon, I, Brandon Hyde loves
1: Ruth Neto door See, Westberg would be the better fit at the moment. Westberg's not playing as well. But he's older and yeah. he has more experience. And I think right now it would make a lot more sense to throw that kind of guy into this team than, than Gunnar Henderson.
0: Maybe. I wouldn't be upset if they called up Jordan Westberg, but Gunnar Henderson is the more
1: deserving player.
0: Oh, I don't disagree he, at all. He's the better player, has the higher upside, and he's he's. They caught up a nineteen-year-old Manny Machado mm-hmm. in in twenty twelve.
1: Yeah, they did. Oh,
0: okay, and that team went sixty-nine and ninety-three the year before. Mm-hmm. That team was basically the same record as the were. We're going to get into this in, in Orioles banter. We're going to get into it a lot yeah. more in depth in Orioles banter. But I'm all about put your best foot forward, right? Yeah. You can't have so. And, and let's talk about Mike Elias while we're at it. Okay, so Mike Elias comes out the other day with the trade deadline. He was talking about the, the Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez trades. Yeah. And his team was upset about the trades. Sure. Um, they kind of saw the writing on the wall like we did. Yeah. But they were still upset to lose good friends, good teammates, and people that were clubhouse leaders. Definitely. And Elias says, I have to work in the realm of probabilities. <laughs> and while we're cha- such an Elias and, comment and, and, right there, and while we're chasing the wild card, the probability is that we're not going to get it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can't say that out loud. You can't say that out loud. And that was as much of the ver- look, yeah. Look, he's saying exactly what you're saying, <laughs> and he's pro- right. And he's like literally word for word. You're saying the same mm-hmm. thing. You're probably mm-hmm. not going to win the wild card. And we're all probably look the, the the fans that are. Out there that are all uh, you know sunshine and roses about the Orioles, um, the same ones that love Rufio Door because he had a couple home runs three months ago, uh, are they think that the Orioles are going uh, to make the playoffs? I think they can make the playoffs. They've got a long road to hoe to get there,
1: and that's exactly what I'm they, saying. They, uh, right?
0: They, they've got 56 games left. 45 of them are against teams that are currently at or above 500 right, right. now. It's not an easy stretch. It, probably i think they probably i think they have the toughest schedule in baseball yeah. the rest of the way but michael michael that was that was reason 1a that he flew to texas to talk to his team right. not because he felt like he owed them an explanation for the trades no he probably went down there because he probably talked to john angelos and angelos was like what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. you can't say that out loud that's pr101 so he probably flies down to texas and says to them and has to say to them Give them give them an explanation for why he said what it, basically why he's doubting them yeah. their ability to make the playoffs and then ha 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 after that conversation it's blue skies ahead it's liftoff from here I think we're in this we have an opportunity to get into the playoffs and we're we're all in this off season we're gonna go spend money on free agents because he said something incredibly stupid he said something incredibly stupid and now he has to backtrack he has to cover his tracks. And make sure that his team knows that he believes in them now and in the future.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the best comment. Um, certainly not from a general manager. Um, it's probably a little different from me saying it for than Oh him. no, It's, then, one, it's 100% different. You're, um, you're a radio
0: talk show host. Uh, I mean, He's a uh, general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. It, it
1: doesn't set a great example for his players, in my opinion. You, you, you say that, and it makes it look like what you said. You're not believing in your players. You're not believing that these guys can do enough to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. I, By the way, 4-0. They are. The they are. They
1: four and zero. And and Mike Elias, you know, he he didn't say the right thing there, but I think he in in the large picture is right in a way. Well, because yeah, I, I think I
0: think most of us know that. Right, I'm you just, still can't I, say. And, and
1: that's my point about Gunnar Henderson is if they were really again if they were four games, you know, above and they were in this and they were four games ahead of all the other wildcard potential teams and they were really pushing and this was you know this was looking promising and looking really good then i would say no doubt gunner henderson you know no doubt you bring up that guy because you got to keep what's you know going good you've got to keep it going good if that makes sense and well,
0: well look look, we're going to talk about this way more okay later in the show we're going to get into this fully um we do only have a few minutes till stan gets on here i see your point mm-hmm. it gives me a lot to think about in the next hour <laughs> um until we get to Orioles banter when we will discuss this. Um speaking of which, speaking of what's happening in the next hour, Stan the fans gonna join us at ten twenty-five. You don't have to call him yet. No, I'm just uh, I'm just pulling some things up. Um, Stan, the fans gonna gonna join us at ten twenty. Just a few minutes. Uh, Eric Arditi, um, I believe he's out of town, but he is taking about ten minutes for Great. us today to talk about Trey Mancini, which we're about to get into. And then from the Orioles radio and television networks, Kevin Brown is going to join us to talk about how much fun he's having covering this team yeah. this year. Uh, so that and more coming up on the Bat Around. I want to remind you the bat round is brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience, and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, so, yeah, the trades. Trey Mancini, Jorge Lopez, and everybody's favorite player, Cash Considerations. <laughs> Cash Considerations actually went to Minnesota and He did. Tampa Bay. He did. Orioles get Seth Johnson from Tampa Bay, their number yep. six overall prospect, number two overall pitching prospect, and Chase McDermott from the Astros, mm-hmm. uh, who is their, I think he was their number twelve. He was number overall 12. prospect. Yep. Now he's the Orioles number twelve overall prospect. Pitched one inning last night for North for uh, Aberdeen. I believe or was it Bowie? It was Aberdeen for Aberdeen. Three strikeouts, yep. no hits. He had a great performance. He did. Um, they trade uh, Jorge Lopez to. The Minnesota Twins to get back. Cade Povich, a 22-year-old in high A. Uh, Yenier Cano, he's a 28-year-old right-handed relief pitcher who's now in Norfolk. cup of coffee in the majors this year. Terrible. Um, Terrible in the majors so far. Sure. Uh, Juan Nunez, a 21-year-old right-handed pitcher in the Florida Complex League. Uh, 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 International player that's that's 21 years old and he's still in the Florida Complex League. Not not great. And then Juan Rojas, an 18-year-old left-handed pitcher also in the Florida Complex League. We'll start with Mancini. I actually did not hate this trade because Trey was leaving at the end of the year. And the Orioles got two guys who could be part of their big league roster in a couple of years.
1: Sure, they did really well. They did way better than you ever could have expected for Trey Mancini. And we talked in depth about about this last week that you don't trade Trey Mancini to get nothing back. And Michael Elias did really just the opposite of that. He got you know two players back. I would have been happy with one of them, and mm-hmm. he got two of them. And to me, you know, Seth Johnson. Yes, he's getting Tommy John surgery. He's not going to pitch until 2024. However. Seth Johnson is a legitimate prospect. Like, he, he's a legitimate middle-of-the-rotation, uh, you know, kind of prospect. And Chase McDermott, probably a back-of-the-rotation guy. That's that's kind of what the scouting reports look like on Chase. But, again, um, the, the strikeout numbers are good for him. Uh, the, the minor league numbers look good for him. And, I think he and,
0: profiles as a as a reliever. Yeah, as a it, it's reliever.
1: it's certainly possible. Um, and he you know he he's certainly another prospect that again I would have been happy with one of them, and they got two of them. Yeah, so it's way more than you could have expected for Trey Mancini. The Orioles did very very well with this deal. Did
0: you see what Mancini did yesterday?
1: He hit two home runs against the Cleveland Guardians. In- I did, see.
0: In- including a grand slam. Yeah. five RBIs. Yeah. He has three hits for the Astros, and they're all home runs. Yeah, and he's for some reason he's only started two games. Since being traded there, and he's had a pinch hit appearance in two other games.
1: A lot of Astros fans were like, Dusty Baker isn't starting his players, they traded for Christian Vasquez, hasn't played much either. So it's yeah, been, it, been kind of odd.
0: I mean, when the rich get richer, I guess, but Mancini. Yeah. Mancini's proving to them. I mean, he's had two starts, and he has three home runs in those two starts. Yeah. So he, he is so glad to be out of Camden Yards. <laughs> I well, bet I, he I, is. I think, he, I, I think he's sad to not be playing for Baltimore, but he's happy to be in a stadium where he can hit a, he can hit a 400-foot fly ball and it's not an out. 100%. Or a double. Right. Um, the Lopez trade, I thought they could have gotten a lot more. Now, Michael Elias thinks that Kate Povich is a potential frontline starter mm-hmm. in the future, uh, who's, and he thinks he's going to be in double-A later this year. Yeah. So if that's the case, right, if Cade Povich ends up being a guy who fits into your rotation next year, in the second half of next year, or in 2024, mm-hmm. and he's a 1, 2, or 3 in your rotation, he's yeah. going to be no better than a 3 because of who you have coming through, right? right. Uh, if, he, if he is that guy, the or Orioles win that trade, right? But right now, they got a 28-year-old rookie reliever who is an ERA above 9. Yeah. They got a 21-year-old international prospect who's still in the Florida Complex League mm-hmm. and an 18-year-old who's in the Florida Complex League. I, we, Josh Hader is a more established closer, mm-hmm. right? But, oh, when, sure. but when you look at what relievers went for at the, day, at the trade deadline, I thought the Orioles would do way better trading an too. all-star closer, and they just too. didn't. They just didn't.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're they're really putting everything on Povich. Um, they're, they're making sure that you know th- this is the guy in this trade. Um, I, I think that was probably the guy that they really wanted from that system. And um, you know, and, and Michael Elias clearly thinks he's going to be a very good pitcher. But it's a bit interesting that you know the media in MLB Pipeline and Baseball America and all these prospect ranking reports don't necessarily agree. They think he's probably more of a four or five and not so much a one or two, which Michael Elias had him pegged at. So it's kind of interesting to me to see. That divide, but, you know, Mike Elias has been very good at acquiring players over his time here. I mean, guys like CNL Perez, Felix Bautista, these are guys he pulled out of thin air, more or less. So if he thinks Cade Povich is going to be at one or two, I might trust him on that. You know, yeah. it, it, he he clearly knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, I, I have not seen Mike Elias be wrong too too often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that if he likes Cade Povich, I'm willing to give him a shot and, and keep the jury out on what this trade is mm-hmm. for the time being. Uh, now, the final trade that the Orioles made just before the deadline is a trade of cash considerations for Brett Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and it's so funny because on Monday, when I saw that Brett Phillips had been DFA'd by the Rays, mm-hmm. and I texted him. I let him know we were on a few minutes okay. behind. Um, when I saw that he was DFA'd, I thought to myself, this would be an Orioles move as recently as last year. Yeah. Where they go out and sign this guy. Thank God we're beyond that. And then What happens? On Tuesday, they didn't even wait for him to clear waivers. No, they went out and they uh, traded money for Brett Phillips. When you already have a roster that you had uh, that you had uh, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, mm-hmm. Ryan McKenna, and Yusniel Diaz right. on your active roster, why do you need? First off, why do you need five outfielders on your active you, roster? You don't. Right. You don't. And then why are you going to trade? For a weaker hitting left-handed Ryan McKenna, well, that's and, what I, and, and people say that he's a better that he's a better player than Ryan McKenna. He's not.
1: He's really not. He he did put up two point four WAR last year. I will say that, but a, it was he, all because of his defense.
0: Well, but no, he had a he had a career here. He here hit, he year. hit he, tw-
1: had, he hit twelve home runs, but his on base percentage was three hundred. That's right, not and, very I, good. I think he hit like two fifty. Yeah, nice. he he hit like two. Yeah, it was like 220, 250 somewhere in that range. But still, it wasn't great. Like, I, 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 it was like two twenty. I, I don't right. want. I don't want those numbers anyway. You know, three hundred on base percentage. I don't want that. Right. Twelve home runs, fine. But three hundred on base. I I don't want that. And I don't care if he's the best defensive outfielder in baseball. Which it, apparently defensive runs saved. He is number one in that in that category. I However, don't care if he is. Uh, you ha- if you're gonna employ Ryan McKenna. And Brett Phillips on the same roster. What are you doing?
0: How are you going to have a lineup that has Brett Phillips and Rufnet
1: Odor playing on the (laughs) same day? It's it's two automatic outs, really. I mean, that's what it it comes down to.
0: Like, uh, and then he hits the double in his first at-bat yesterday. And yeah, it it was cool. It was a a speed double. He legged it out, right? Great. Anthony Santander gets a single on that, right? But then you know, you know that social media is going to be Did did you see that? Yeah. 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 I took a preemptive strike and put up a i've been wrong before Jeff um, <laughs> because I knew it, but then he struck out twice yeah he did you know he and and, uh, and i'm but look I, at look, I, people came at me really? when I said I didn't want him on the team, They're like he's the nicest guy in baseball, he's got a great personality, chris he's Davis infectious. was a nice guy too, yeah, and <laughs> one, somebody who I, who I've known my entire life sends me he he sends me a clip of um like an article mm. Mm-hmm. A Brett Phillips having a special relationship with this young girl who has cancer, and that's awesome for Brett. And yeah. and you know that she cried when he was DFA'd by the Rays, but he made it a special point to go see her and everything. Like and that. and that's awesome. Yeah, I am not hating on Brett Phillips, the man. No, high high quality individual. Yes. and he makes you want to like him. Tons of class. Right? Yeah, 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 classy guy, infectious personality, crazy awesome laugh. Mm-hmm. I get it. Right, I get it. I said to the guy, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> right, I, I, right. I, I was like, I, I love how charitable he is. I love mm-hmm. that he's a philanthropist. I love that he spends his time in children's hospitals and that yeah. he's such a great personality. I said, but that has nothing to do with how well he hits a baseball. These are separate things, and they should remain separate. Yeah. Don't make me feel bad for not wanting a guy who's hitting 147 on the Orioles roster because he's a nice guy.
1: His on-base percentage, two twenty-five, when he was traded to the Orioles, two twenty-five. Right. That is awful. I, I <laughs> that have, is uh, He is
0: a wonderful human being, and I, have, yeah. I have no. If the Orioles traded for him and then put him in Norfolk. Hmm. Okay. I have no qualms with that. Yeah. Have him in the organization. Let him be an ambassador. Let him go to these Orioles caravans in the off season yeah. and smile and, and, and be a great guy. That's fine. I don't want him playing the outfield for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, he, he's a great defender. That's awesome. But when he comes up with the runners on second and third in a one-run ball game and the right. Orioles need a hit and they've already ex- ex- exhausted their other options, yeah.
1: I don't want that guy up. And it's fine if you don't have Ryan McKenna on this roster. If he's your fourth outfielder and the only fourth outfielder, yeah. again, not having five or six, but if he's the only fourth outfielder on this team, I'd be slightly more, I wouldn't love it, but I'd be slightly more okay with it. I, I'd understand it more. But Ryan McKenna isn't a great hitter. Brett Phillips is a worse hitter. And you bo- employ both of them on the same roster. To me, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. You know, besides the the infectious personality. and And it's great. You know, it's great that he's a good guy. I love that about him.
0: Ryan, Ryan McKenna has a .7 more this year. Mm-hmm. He's hitting two fifty. Yeah, much better than last he's, year. He's got yeah. two home runs. He's got two stolen bases. Uh, on base percentage, it's .307. He only has seven walks compared to 41 yeah, Almost Almost 100 point higher, but, though, but, than but, Brett Phillips. But he plays good defense. Yeah. He's got a good arm. and yeah, <clears throat> You can go ahead and call Stan. He, he plays good defense. He's got a good arm. And he's a better hitter. But far and away. So... What are we doing here? Having Brett Phillips on this roster makes l- literally no sense to me. Uh, w- we'll see what happens. I can't imagine that they go forward trying in a playoff race with Odor and Phillips both in the, on the roster at the same time, let alone the same lineup. A- and again, I get that these guys have great personalities. I get what they mean to a clubhouse and the leadership that they show. But you have to be able to lead on the field too, not just in the clubhouse. And I'm not seeing the play that says that these guys deserve roster spots. I'm not seeing that play. We've got a great show ahead for you. In just a matter of moments, again, we have Stan the Fan Charles joining us. Uh, from Barstool Sports at 11 o'clock, Eric R D is going to join us to talk about Trey Mancini. And at 11.40, Kevin Brown from the Orioles Radio and Television Networks is going to join us to talk about the Orioles season, how much fun he is having. But right now, as I mentioned, joining us on the line, he is Stan the Fan Charles, and he's live with us here on the bat Good morning, Stan. How are you?
3: Good morning guys. How you doing?
0: Really well, Stan, especially since the Orioles are fifty-five and fifty-one after that one nothing victory last night. Just a game and a half out of a playoff spot. And Stan, let's talk about that game last night. Dean Kramer hasn't been great the last month or so, but six and a third shot out of the innings last night. Only throws eighty-three pitches, four hits, no walks, two K's. ERA down to three forty-three. Just when I think that he's back to being his the, his old self, he comes out and puts up a gem like that. What did you see from Kramer last
4: night?
3: Uh, he, you know, manager Brandon Hyde after the ball game said he thought it was the best game he's ever pitched for him. Uh, I find it hard to totally judge. I mean, clearly he was he had his curveball working a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Okay. uh and and that's a big assist for him mm-hmm. but the, the lineup that he was facing i i it, it's tough for me to judge right. when i see such an inept lineup you know
0: and then that, I mean, and, and, that's I, the
3: way you should pitch against that's the way you should pitch against them you know
0: right and that's that's kind of what my thought process was last night was okay he had a great game but it's against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, look, not to take anything away from the Pirates, they have some good players in that lineup. Yeah, but that's what you're yeah. supposed to do. Like you said, you're, if you're a pitcher in the major leagues and you're worth anything, you should be able to shut down a team that has a second worst record in the National League. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Now, yeah. Stan, Taren yeah. Vavra comes out last night. Three more hits. He has he reached base in the Orioles rookie record seven consecutive plate appearances before. Reaching base again, but because of an error by the third baseman. All told, he is 6-for-13 with five walks since being called up and has reached base in nine of his last ten plate appearances. He was batting fifth last night saying he's not going to be your prototypical fifth, number five hitter. But this is a guy who takes professional bats and gets on base. Is he making a statement that he deserves more playing time at this point?
3: Um, he's, he's making a case for it. By the way, we got a note this morning from Nate Rowan, who's a senior coordinator of baseball communications. In other words, he's a PR. Mm-hmm. He's top PR person there. That Taron Vavra's single in the second inning was his seventh straight plate appearance reaching safely since August 1st. Right. He's the first Oriole rookie to reach safely in seven straight plate appearances since Jerry Hairston. Junior from September sixth through eighth, back in nineteen ninety nine, per Elias. Right, right. So, so, so
0: I guess he didn't set an Orioles record, but that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I he tied
3: it, and and it's not clear whether somebody else has done it. You know, so I mean, it's great. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like, what I like about Favre is he's he's sort of in the uh, Rutschman school of controlling the at bat. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, I didn't I didn't know he had those kind of skills. Uh, I've since found out through hearing Palmer talk about it, that his father, you know, he's the son of a coach, so he's got a lot of the fundamentals. There were a couple plays last night where I, I think, okay, he's going to go from first to third, and he stopped and he did the right thing. He would have been out by like 30 feet. You know? right. I mean, he runs the bases well. Uh, he commands his at bats. He's he's a nice player. You know, you gave up. You gave up. It's funny. I always thought he was kind of the star of the deal uh, for Michael Gibbons. We got Tyler Nevin back in that deal, and I'm not. I'm not totally unsold on Nevin's, but watching Vavra, uh, I think he was the star of that deal. Wow. You know, he Stan- just didn't make it up and in, in the same pace. In
0: his, in his minor league career, and we're spanning four seasons, he's a three oh six hitter with a four ten on base percentage. In his in four yep. seasons in minor yep. league baseball, and it's translating now to the big league level. Now look we Zach and I talked about this. I don't expect this to last for him. I, I expect that he's gonna go through his, his struggles as well. But he takes professional at bats, and that's something that you want in your lineup day in and day out.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Stan, and when you look at how the Orioles have handled Vavra so far, the fact that he really hasn't played much of any infield so far, does that kind of you read between the mm-hmm. lines there? Do you think that they don't really trust his defense that much in the infield, or do you think they just think O'Dor is the better option there?
3: I, I think they feel that uh, you know, and I'm I'm not saying Brandon's gonna go with his, the seat of his pants. I think he likes right now the your urias mateo odor being yeah. out there yeah you know that they sort of that there's a certain esprit de corps with them and uh i'm not saying we won't see Vavra at like second base but uh you know so far i think we've seen him at dh in left field right
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah i i, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that if, if if that's going to keep him in as long as they have him in the lineup i'm still not the biggest fan of Odor who's four for his last 35 and his average is down to 193. but i digress um right. as long as they have his bat well, in the we, lineup well
3: we all know what we all we all know what Odor is on the based on the numbers mm-hmm. it's the question is what else is he bringing to the team and uh you know i i you know i I would laugh at when they signed him, and I think we talked about it several times. Yeah. Why would you want to bring a guy with a two hundred and sixty? But when I watch him play, <clears throat> I understand what Brandon Hyde sees in him, and and the and the analytics people um, that that there, there's something we're so analytically driven that there you can miss certain other things, and the guy does appear to be a winning ball player, you know. Yeah. I don't know what that's worth. but He's you know. got a
0: winning personality, and, and with that in mind, the Orioles traded for a guy who has a winning yep. personality in Brett Phillips, but then you have both of those guys yep. in the lineup last night. And, 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 Stan, I honestly, I just can't justify it. I can't justify having one guy who's hitting 145 with a 220 on base percentage and another guy who's mm-hmm. hitting 193 with a 240 on base percentage. I can't justify having both of those guys, in my A, on my roster, B, in my lineup, and not mine, but the Orioles, in the lineup, on the same day, uh, those are basically mm-hmm. stand two automatic outs. Uh, and, and I love that they're infectious with the team, and they have a great personality, and they have great leadership. I get, but I
3: get what you're saying. But you got to be able to play. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yep. speak, yep.
0: Speaking of which, why did the Orioles trade for – I legitimately – because we're going to talk about the trades here. I legitimately want your opinion on this. They already have their three starting outfielders and Ryan McKenna. At the time of the trade, they had Yosniel Diaz, who we knew was just getting a cup of coffee while he had the opportunity but you don't really right. do you really need five outfielders on your active roster? Well, I did not see a fit for Brett Phillips and yet he's here.
3: Yep. Yep. Uh caught me off guard, you know, but uh again, he he played a lot of winning baseball for the Tampa Bay Rays, you know. Yeah, and, and they
0: did trade Trey Mancini uh, and, and, and they did
3: it sounded like they gave up again, they traded cash considerations right. for him. So <laughs> it wasn't like you gave up some type of talent for him,
2: you know.
0: I guess the the thing is that we've been sitting here waiting for Kyle Stowers, who's having another tremendous season. Uh, you have Colton Calser mm-hmm. who's tearing the cover off the ball in double-A, and you know that when Stowers gets called up, is probably headed to triple-A himself. Why? And, and I get that it's a 40-man thing, too, because Stowers isn't on the 40-man, and Brett Phillips is. But I just... Mm-hmm. Why not call up Stowers? It's a, it's
3: a, it's a, big, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, you know. But, again, you send the message by going all young at that point in time. You're sending the exact message that uh, Mike Elias was trying to to kind of back, you know, step back from where he said he didn't like the team's chances.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, the
3: probability wasn't high that they were going to make the playoffs. So he brought in a veteran guy, um, uh, obviously Brett Phillips isn't a star player. There's no question about it. Right. I wouldn't want him on my rotisserie team, but he, again, he does take professional at bats. He does run the bases well. He does play defense very well. And, uh, you know, that's why he's here right now.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, another,
3: I... another kind of winning ball player, you know, um, I think they wanted to, uh, to To inject a little bit of uh, you know something into the team that uh, that they see in him.
0: Yeah, and, and look, I, I get his merits on the baseball field and in the clubhouse. I understand it. I I, I see the I see the fit from that standpoint. I guess I just want guys yep. that can that can hit. In in yeah, in
3: we'd like better baseball players than him and Rough Odor. In the sure. meantime, they're both on the team, and the team is four games over five hundred. That's big know.
0: facts. Now, two guys I mean, that, they
3: haven't lost a game. They haven't lost a game this week. You that's
0: know. that's true. And now two guys that are yep. no longer on the team, Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez. Uh, we're, we're, let's start with Trey, uh, Stan. We, we mm-hmm. talked. We've been talking about Trey being traded for over a year now. Uh, were you surprised yeah. that they actually got a decent return uh, for for Trey? I mean, they got two guys who could factor into the major league uh, pitching staff within the next two years.
3: Yeah, I I um, I think Michael Elias. It was very creative, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure exactly the machinations, uh, how the three-way deal came about,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: I think it was very creative to get a talent as good as Seth Johnson, um, you know, and and a uh, potential upside on the other guy. The other guy immediately to me looks like relief pitcher. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Chase McDermott. You know, yeah, he came Seth out. Johnson is. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, uh, Chase McDermott came out last night. He got the start for Aberdeen. One inning pitched, three strikeouts, no hits. Uh, and then they had a rain delay, right. so he didn't come back out to pitch again. But that, to me, right. just reeks of back-end reliever when it's all said and done.
3: Yeah. When you look at the strikeouts per innings pitch, that's that's not really, you know, in, in today's baseball, that's not really um, something you could keep up at that level. You know, right. Uh, so it's uh, I see short. I see like him and D. L. Hall being really good in the middle of games. You know,
0: yeah. I, I I'm I'm still holding on the hope that D. L. Hall can be a, a a legitimate starting pitcher. But if that's what happens, that's, that's what I, don't, happens. I don't
3: I don't see, I don't see it. I honestly don't. There's not enough. You know, I felt I kind of feel the way I felt about Dylan Tate when the Orioles got him. Mm-hmm. I said, this guy's got a lot of talent, but I, I don't see why in the world the, the guy when they got Tate. How old was Tate when they got him? About twenty-four.
0: I think so. Twenty-five. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: And and the guy the most innings he'd ever thrown in the minor leagues <clears throat> was like about sixty innings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about making him a starter, and I go, when is he going to be able to make the innings jump? This guy's a relief pitcher. And I sort of see the same thing with dL Hall. It,
0: it, it makes sense it, especially when you look at the fact yeah. that he's never thrown more than 90 innings and, and he's at like 72 right now and his last two starts have not been good right. by any stretch right um now right. we saw this coming with Trey did it soften the blow at all yep. when you got traded or was or because you would kind of resign yourself to the fact that he was going to be traded were you was it kind of like all right it's yeah, done now yeah. let's move I mean, let's move right. forward
3: yeah, I, I, that's kind of how I felt. I felt it was a, um, a an interesting return, and I mean, and then you know, what, not. And I'm not saying it softened the blow, but but I was listening to Elias. I was not on that Zoom that he did after the Mancini trade, and then. But they, but Brett Hollander played it like five minutes of it on the postgame show that night. Mm-hmm. I think it was Tuesday night. And um, I I saw four veiled references to you know the idea of bringing Trey back, and right. that was that was very interesting. Um, I just think it's almost like once you let a player get to free agency, uh, once you know, once you let a player go to a winning environment like that, and he's responding in Houston. Yeah,
2: um,
3: I just think I think Houston will think nothing of given him a a 39 to 45 million dollar three year contract and then that'll be that but uh but it was interesting and that would really be a very creative positive way to show your fans that you really mean what you're saying about you know hey we're all in now would be to get that benefit that you got in picking up two pitchers like that and then bringing the player back you know but again, it begs the question of where's the fit, you know.
1: Right. Stan, had you heard anything about the Astros? Because I was all inclined to think that the Mets were getting Trey Mancini based on, you know, Andy Martino, one of the Mets beat reporters, consistently tweeting out that the Mets were scouting Trey Mancini at Camden Yards a lot. But how surprised were you at the at the Astros actually being the team in the end?
3: Well, you know, i heard I'd heard sort of the idea of bantered about that they were they were interested in Cedric Mullins for a you know a veteran starting pitcher like Urquidy Jose Urquidy um but I guess it was a little bit surprising but you know in recapping the draft uh, Luke Luke Jackson our managing editor and uh, baseball savant um really brought up a good point I don't know that the Mets have, you know, because I was really surprised. I wrote a month ago that Buck Showalter was going to go in and really lobby Steve Cohn and Billy Epler to get him another one or two important pieces, okay? So he could not only uh, get to the playoffs or not only win the uh, NL East, but that he really could compete for the World Series. And any team with Scherzer and DeGrom at their best obviously can compete for for winning a world championship right. if those two guys are running on all cylinders and they're healthy. Uh, and I thought it was a big risk not to have gone after a couple more big talents there with the Mets. They end up doing sort of tinkering type of deals, picking up Tyler Naquin, who, by the way, has played well for the Mets so far, yeah. Dan Vogel back. You know, but the bottom line is what Luke pointed out to me is they don't really have a lot in their system right now that was going to be attractive enough to pull off Trey Mancini from the you know from the Orioles.
0: Yeah, especially when you consider what the Orioles they, they don't have that for. kind of pit, they don't have
3: that they don't have that kind of pitching talent in the minor leagues where they were going to be able to give up somebody that we wanted.
0: Yeah, and. and- Look, I'm I'm glad Trey had an opportunity to go to a place where his long fly balls are home runs, and he has an opportunity to go potentially win a World Series. So I, I'm happy with with yep. where Trey ended up. I, I was surprised Stan, to see that in his first week there, he only got two starts and two pinch hitting appearances. But in his two starts, he hit three home runs. So I think he's going to get a lot more yep. playing time uh, now because of that. Did now, you
3: hear about the Did you hear about the historic record that he set?
0: No, he I became did not.
3: the first player in baseball history to homer. Now, was it the first two at bats or two in, the, in in his first two games? He homered with two teams. Now, the Orioles in his first two games and the Astros. No other player in baseball history had done that.
0: Yeah, he. Um, so I, I guess his first two starts because he did get a pinch hit him hitting appearance. Um, in his first right. game with the Astros, and then in, in his first start, he, he homered in right. his first at bat.
3: Right. His first two starts with a franchise, he had home runs. Yeah. Two teams. Nobody Nobody had done that before.
0: I had no idea. That's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. and and, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's cool. fitting for Trey. I'm glad, to, and I think you yeah. can tell that he was that the that the trade rumors were wearing on him, and that's why he was slumping so so terribly for the Orioles because he goes to reinvigorated, rejuvenated down there in Houston, yeah. and it's and it's showing, and he looks like 2019.
3: he got He's got Mo he, on his shoulders. There. Yep. Yep, those, there you go. Those hanging with them. I think yep. we're all
0: pulling for him now. Uh, I do want to. I do want to yep. briefly talk about the Jorge Lopez stuff because there are other questions I want to get to, and we have limited time. Lopez gets four pitching prospects in return uh, going to the Twins. Blows a save last night, even though the Twins pulled out the the win in the ball game. Stan, I was okay with trading Lopez. I I feel like I expected more in return. I feel like if you're trading an all-star closer that has team control, then maybe you can get back a major league ready player, or a major league ready starter. They got four pitching prospects. Michael thinks Kate Povich, is a potential future top of the rotation guy. They got Yenier Kano, who's a 28-year-old international signing rookie who has gotten a cup of coffee—not a good cup of coffee—in um, the majors no, this terrible year. Terrible cup of coffee, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they only, and, and then they got a 21-year-old in in Juan Nunez, who's still in the Florida Complex League. I, I look at their return, and I, and I was left unsatisfied by what they got back for an all-star closer with team control.
3: Well, you might be unsatisfied, I think Mike Elias and Kobe Perez are probably very satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know one thing one thing to remember about these guys they don't just sort of run run names through the ringer and go, "Hey, can you give us this guy sure. and that guy?" They go in, and I would be willing to say, remember how Brad Seelik uh mentioned that that last year they were real close on picking some pitchers and -hmm. they missed on them. Mm -hmm. You know, I would bet that they were very interested in Kate Povich. I bet they were very interested in trace, chase McDermott, you know, and those are a couple guys that were high on their list and they just didn't pan out getting drafted. Now we don't have to give them any signing bonus. We get them for free, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And I would bet that a couple of those foreign players, the young arms, were guys that Kobe Perez wanted to sign. We either didn't have the international signing money available or they just were just out of reach. I think they got I think there's a method to um to Elias' approach, you know, he and his scouting department. Oh I'm sure. And I think they get a lot I think they get a lot of players that they were interested in in a prior lifetime so to speak and by that i mean one or two years r- removed from okay. and they go hey we can get a chance to get these guys
0: there's and not a doubt in my mind that they have done their homework on everybody that they got that they yep. got back not yep. not a doubt yep. in my mind i just i had thought that they and could I'm get somebody who was close to me ready as a I'm, starter
3: i'm not knocking you paul or, mm-hmm. or myself we don't see these guys at all we do we've do never we, seen you, you are absolutely you know, Kate correct Feltage. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely correct.
3: We so, it's just I'm like not, I'm at the I'm at the point with the rebuild where I'm sort of trusting in Elias that he knows a lot more. He and his staff know a lot more, and we'll in two or three years we'll we'll say we can either say, Hey, I was right what I said on August the sixth, or boy, you were full of crap, you know, <laughs> back then. Uh, uh, they didn't really know that much more than you or I, you know.
0: Here's what I will say, Stan. Mike Elias is done everything he said he was going to do in his introductory press conference. He's done everything he said he yep. was going to do. He's checked each box in order, and yep. now the, the next is winning championships. And let's, let's, yep. talk, let's talk about that because he addressed that this past week. Now, first of all, you already mentioned it. He said that he works in probabilities, and it's not a high probability that the Orioles win a wild card spot. Um, not the best thing to say publicly. Uh, when you're the general manager of a baseball team, I I think. And I think that that was just as much reason as anything else for him flying to Texas after the trade deadline to talk to his team leaders because he kind of put his foot in his mouth there. Now, he comes out after those meetings with his team leaders and he says, the window's open. We have a decade ahead of us of of championship-caliber baseball and it's liftoff from here. We're going to spend some money this offseason. What does that mean to stand the fan, Charles?
3: Well, I think it would mean that they would look. I, I we can project what Grayson Rodriguez is going to be like next year, and Tyler Wells. I don't think we'll see either of them pitch again this year, right? Uh, but we, we can project that they're going to be part of this rotation next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they'll invite J- Jordan Lyles back. He's been he's been sort of what I expected. Yeah, I would have expected a little bit better overall, uh, but he what he has done is you can't underestimate how much his innings have helped the bullpen be a little stronger than it was the last couple of years. You know, There's certainly more talent out in that bullpen, but to me, it it speaks if he's really talking and means what he says. they got to go out and get somebody that's near a number one established starter, and that's going to be very hard to do you know, on the, on the free agent market.
0: Yeah. They're going to have to convince somebody but, to but, to come here. Yeah. They're going to have to, you know, somebody
3: like, uh, like, like an Eduardo Rodriguez before whatever personal problems he had this year, you know, somebody that you thought could be the head of a young staff, but who was a 30 year old veteran. That's what they need. I don't know. I haven't looked at the free agent. You know, I'm not mulling that right now. I'm sort of, into the day to day watching the team, but if he's if he's serious about that, they've got to add a starter. And frankly, I would prefer to be a left-handed starter, you know, because they got uh, they got like six candidates uh, right-handers. They got Braddish, Rodriguez, Wells, Kramer, Watkins, and Lyles, and they're all right-handed.
0: Yeah, there's uh, my, uh, so Carlos Rodon is a guy that comes to mind that comes to mind for me. Um, is somebody right. who I think is probably gonna opt out with the Giants after this year and he's somebody yep. who could be had but yep. but again, this is something that we'll be more privy to and have more information on Look, at, once we get on to the off season.
3: On a talent level, I'd love Carlos Rodon. I don't think that's gonna be a practical guy. I think he's gonna be in like an eighty, ninety million dollar.
0: So risk you so you don't think money. that you you don't think that they're gonna spend big money, you think they're gonna spend smart money.
3: I think they're going to spend smart money. It's it should be somebody that makes more than Jordan Lyles. Mm-hmm. It should be so, somebody like I'm just going to throw out a name. I saw like what Jake Rizzi makes, you know. Okay. Somebody like that, a little bit younger than that, you know, but somebody that makes maybe eleven or twelve million, like a twenty-three, twenty-four million dollar two-year contract or something like that, you know that's uh, some um, somebody that comes in, he, he's
0: he's not the best pitcher in baseball, but he's somebody who goes out there and consistently gives you quality innings. You know, and he, he gives you quality, yeah. He's not gonna have yep. twenty quality starts and ten starts where he's out of the game in the fourth inning. Right. I I, I get right. I get what right. you're saying. I get what you're saying. All yep. right, Sam, we are we are up against it. Thank you so Sounds much like for you your got
3: time a great all right, I'm sorry I'm talking so fast no, this morning. No, what no. You're you.
0: you're you're, you're right. doing great. We'll we'll talk to you next week Stan. All Thank right. you so much.
3: All right, talk to you soon guys. Bye. All right. See you.
0: And that was Stan the Fan joining us for his weekly segment. He is with us every week, but you can also find him with two great shows every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with new Hall of Famer Tim Kirkchin, and Stan held his sports business roundtable with former pro sports executives Andy Dolich and Marty Conway. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com press Box Sports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Be sure to tune in on Monday when Sand and Ross are back with another great show. Guest to be determined. We got to catch our first break when we come back in. Zach's going to sound off. Then we're going to get Eric Arditi on the line to talk about Trey Mancini, his impact on Baltimore, and his impact on now the Houston Astros. That and more next on the
4: bat round Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or backed by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. I'm Griffin Bass,
1: and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing.
4: He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavaloa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for
1: having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash online and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts.
4: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. All
0: right, welcome back to the battle round. Just want to remind you the battle round is brought to you by. The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, which is the best place to be for all the big upcoming events. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Betting pads are coming to the FanDuel Sportsbook during football season. You'll be able to bet right from your seat while you watch all the biggest pro and college games. Make your plans to hang out with your friends and reserve your spots for football season right now by emailing events at sportssocialmde.com. That's events at sportssocialmde.com sportssocialmd.com Zach Goodman Uh, Eric Ardidi said we could take our time so we're gonna I couldn't think of another spot place in the show to do sounding off so Zach what do you got for me in sounding off with Zach Goodman
1: sounds good I'll try to try to make this one quick so we can get Eric on the line but I think the Phillies made one of the most underrated moves at the MLB trade deadline they acquired Noah Syndergaard from the Los Angeles Angels for uh Mickey Moniak who was the number one overall pick Moniak in a number one overall pick in 2016 and a guy named JDL Sanchez who's now ranked number 29 uh In the Angels' farm system, so we saw the Angels, you know, this year looking like they're going to start to go for it. You know, they had Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, obviously Anthony Rendon was finally healthy again. So they signed Noah Syndergaard, thinking that you know he was going to be at the top of that rotation, maybe their two or three guy, and was going to be excellent for them. And he hasn't been excellent. He's been okay. His ERA is around in the mid fours. Um, He's been fine. You know, his his WAR is around one point two right now. It's nothing special, nothing incredible. But Noah Syndergaard has come out and really been reliable throughout his entire career he's had great years don't get me wrong but he's been a reliable pitcher throughout his entire career and the Phillies are a team that really if you look at the past three seasons four seasons have had good bats it's just been the starting rotation that's really let them down in the end you've had guys like Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler they're great don't get me wrong but it's the back of the rotation where guys just aren't coming through for them and right now uh, Zach Eflin one of their better starters is on the injured list right now this is a great ad for them as a four or five starter. Noah Syndergaard is going to come out there, I believe, and his first start didn't go great. He he had a few good innings and then imploded in the in the a little later on. Uh, but he's a guy who should be able to come out there and reliably give them innings and be that guy where the Phillies really haven't had that guy um, in, in these previous years. And they just haven't had that reliable starting pitching at the back end of the rotation. There were a lot of good trades in this in this you know this trade deadline I loved the Yankees getting Frankie Montas there were some great moves but look this guy should be really reliable and you gave up basically nothing you know if you look at Jodyell's numbers they aren't very good um his career batting average in the minors is around 3 uh, 230 and his is on base percentage isn't all that high either and the Mickey Moniak... He's had a few. He's had a little a cup of coffee now in the major leagues, but he's been basically a disappointment since being taken number one overall. And he's a guy who's basically nothing at this point. I don't think Moniak's really ever going to be anything at the major league level. So they basically gave up nothing and got a reliable four or five starter. I, I had love that no move.
0: idea that Mickey Moniak was a number one overall pick,
1: and he's been horrible. Yeah, I, I, I looked at his numbers; yeah. he's been
0: really bad his entire career. Yeah, I had no idea mm-hmm. that he was number one overall pick in 2016. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I To me, Mickey Moniak was just a guy. Yeah. yeah. Because I've heard of him. I've seen him play a couple of times. Sure. I've never thought anything more than that he's just a guy. I had no no inkling yeah. of an idea that he was number one overall. He's been a, pick in 2016. A
1: huge bust. I mean, there were so many uh, in the mid two thousands or two thousand tens there with you know uh, the Astros p- picking Mark Appel and Brady Aiken, two guys mm-hmm. who Mark Appel finally just made the majors actually with the Phillies, but yeah. two guys that were huge busts at number one overall, and then Mickey Moniak uh, with the Phillies in twenty sixteen. So you're basically trading nothing away to get a guy who, in my opinion, can be very reliable for you and can give you innings, and that's really what the Phillies have struggled with. So good on them for finally adding a piece that I, I think is really going to help them. They went out, they got Castellanos, Schwerber, they're loading up now, and I think that you know the Phillies could really make a run at it in October. See, I really I, I, think they could.
0: The way you heard Noah Syndergaard talked about with the Angels this mm-hmm. year, you would have thought the ZRA was about five. No, it wasn't, it wasn't
1: bad at all. He's got a
0: 4.02 ERA yeah. on the season. Yeah, he, he he's he's pitching well, and it's that, only
1: there because he he had a ERA of like 7.20 so far with the uh, with the, with the yeah, Phillies. Cause He gave up four runs right. in five innings. Yeah.
0: Like so, to me, Syndergaard's a great ad. He's a, that's a, that's incredible. A great ad. Ad. I, yeah, I, I honestly, I kind of hoped in the back of my mind that the Orioles would somehow work out a way to get Syndergaard here.
1: I, I don't think they would have done it because he's a rental, but you know right. he's gone at the end of the year. He he's due like twenty two million this year. It was an expensive contract for right. for what it was, but I, I think that also gives the Phillies an opportunity to extend him. I mean they can say, hey, you don't want to stick around if he if he ends up being good. And again, this is really what they've struggled with. They just haven't had consistent pitching. Um, you know, Ranger Suarez has been a lot better than expected, though. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. So well,
0: the, the the bullpen has always been an issue for them. It right?
1: has been too, you know? yeah. so. Yeah.
0: So um, but look, the, the Phillies are making a run out. I think they hold a wild. I, they they do. They hold a wild card spot. Right right now. Um, so yeah, it, it's a solid move for the Phillies. They definitely need a, start, a starting pitcher, especially with Eflin going down. So yeah, I, I, I have a soft spot for the Phillies. My two best men in my wedding are both from Philly. My stepfather's from Philly. So I, I find myself paying attention to the Phillies and hoping that they can um, make a run of things. And I'm, I'm, I'm a Bryce Harper guy. I didn't used to be, but I think Bryce Harper is just so damn talented. I actually think he is a quality human being. So watching the Phillies play well and, They've underperformed. They have underperformed the last few years, and if they have an opportunity to get into the postseason, I'm here for it. So I I do like the move to get Noah Syndergaard on the Phillies. Moving on to a a trade that the Orioles made that was not popular, to say the least. Um, I had a woman approach me in the gym the other day, and she saw me wearing an Orioles hat. and Mm -hmm. She comes up to me and she says, I saw your Orioles hat, and I just had to come talk to you. Isn't it a shame what they're doing to our Orioles? (laughs) And I look at her, and I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, they traded Trey Mancini, and then they traded our closer. She goes, I guess they don't care, because they're going to sell the team and move them anyway. And I had to reassure this woman like three different times that the Orioles are never leaving Baltimore. But the overwhelming theme from a lot of people is that they traded away the Orioles' best player in Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini is a very good player. At this point in his career, he is not the he was not the Orioles' best player, and he was mired in a terrible slump. And we think because of, because of the deadline. Nonetheless, he's a very good player, and that is clearly evident by what he's done in Houston in his limited time there. Um, and it was a sad day to see him go. I got choked up when he got traded. I got choked up when he had the inside-the-park home run uh, in his final at-bat at Camden Yards as an Oriole. He will be back with Houston in September. Um, but a lot of people in Birdland are very upset that Trey Mancini is no longer with the Orioles. And with that in mind, from Barstool Sports, we have Eric Arditi. we have Eric Arditi on the show, A, because we love the guy. B, he's infectious. C, he is v- he's very close. With Trey Mancini. So, with that in mind, Eric. Good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today?
7: We're good. We're good. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. We're having a, we're having a great time uh, do, putting together a great show today, and we're happy to have you on. I'm glad that you could take a few. I, I, did you end up going out of town?
8: So we're going out of town a little bit later. We're doing like a, a little birthday party for my buddy, and then and then my other friend is having a baby. So we're kind of all over the place, and like down in Waldorf. So it's like a little. It's a little, not quote unquote out of town. It's just a little out of the way. It's a hike. I should have said. Uh, I, yeah, I, exactly. I wonder
0: if the, uh, if the members of Good Charlotte are back in Waldorf hanging out.
8: I, every time I go down there, I look for them. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen them down there yet, but I blast the anthem every time I drive around. Uh, so you should just I, be blasting I the anthem regardless. Know. Well, yeah, I mean, I do that. I do that up here, anyways. But, you know, I'm trying to catch their attention down there.
0: I understand. I understand. Well, uh, good morning, Eric. Thanks for joining us today. You are uh, you're actually friends with Trey Mancini, so I'm sure that his trade, even though you probably saw it coming, I'm sure it hit you uh, maybe a little bit harder than than other people. He was traded to the Astros on Monday for Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott. How emotional was this trade for you? Um, I I'll be honest.
8: I was I wasn't too emotional about it. Um, I was I because again we we all kind of knew it was coming. Right. Um, I think I would have been more um, not emo- I, I guess emotional or upset if it had happened at the debt. Like I'm kind of happy it happened on Monday when it did. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like if it would have gone to Tuesday, and then we're sitting there at you know five thirty refreshing and like there's no trade yet. There's no trade. Maybe 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 he's going to stay. I think he's going to stay. And then you know at six ten or six fifteen it leaks out after like oh by the way the Orioles trade after everyone you know thought he was safe. I think that would have been a more yeah. killer one. Um, but no, I mean, I, again, I, I kind of had it, I, I, I knew that it was coming, I guess, just like everyone else did. Um, I had spent some time at the ballpark with, with his fiance, Sarah, um, the two Fridays before I think. And I had just kind of talked, I mean, we talked for like half hour just being like, Hey, like, you know, what do you think's going to happen? And she said, I mean, they were very open and honest. And i talked to them both. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. We haven't heard a thing. And I, you know, and I believe them. She said, you know, we want to stay here. And he, he echoed the same thing to me. Like he was like, "I love this place." You know, I texted him after the inside the park home run, and he said, "You know," and and I believe him when he goes. I don't know what's going to happen. I truly don't. But he goes, "If that was the way to go out, like, I mean, what what a perfect way?" You know. And, and again, everyone said it. It was all over Twitter with Sanzi in the stands on Mo Day. You know, his last you know at bat. I mean, it was it was just it was unbelievable. And shout out to Josh Lowe's face for being hard enough for the <laughs> ball to bounce away that far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely an emotional couple of days, but again, I, I, part of me for some reason, like when he, when it went on Monday, I went, you know what? Good. And again, because he went to the Astros, right. which listen, I know a lot of people are still hung up on the, the sign stealing and blah, blah, blah. And I, I tweeted right away. I said, we're all Astros fans. And I had Orioles fans be like, I'll never root for them. And I go did you root for Jay Gibbons and Raphael Palmero and Brian Roberts and Nelson Cruz? And they said, yeah. I said, well, guess what? They cheated too. So, you know, I'm like, "What? what are we doing here? Like, number yeah. one, it didn't affect us. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, who, like, I'm like, who cares at this point? But I, I, and I was talking to some people this week where I said, if they asked her to win a world series, I think we should petition to get a banner hung at Camden Yard. <laughs> this is like a Trey Mancini world series champion would like, not an asterisk, but, you know, we'll we'll hang it up somewhere.
0: Well, especially when we send Trey there and he immediately hits three homers, including a grand slam <laughs> in his first two starts with the Astros. I mean, I, the fact that he's only gotten two starts after being traded there last Monday kind of blows my mind. Um, but look, three hits with the Astros and they're all home runs. You can't beat that. Now, th- have you had the opportunity? Oh, by the way. I'm so over the whole cheating thing. The whole the whole sign stealing that's, thing. Because Yeah.
8: I'm I I got over it two years ago. It's like, yeah, all right, that's fine, whatever. You right, know what
0: happened. Yankees fans are like, oh, that should have been our World Series. You all were cheating too. Literally mm-hmm, all the teams mm-hmm. in baseball were doing something to get the upper hand on the other team with signs stealing or, or banging on a trash can or whatever the hell it was, the Yankees were right in the middle of it too. And you can't tell me that they uh. weren't. They 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 were found to be. Same with the Red Sox. Uh, so I don't want to hear it. The, the, every team was doing something. If the Astros win a World Series this year and Trey Mancini's on that team, I will be fired up for Trey, one hundred percent.
8: Absolutely. And again, I me. Who knows? Maybe the Ori- the Orioles could have been cheating. You know, I like like we said. I think every team does something, and I'm sure mm-hmm. if you ask guys around the league, they will say the same thing. Not everyone is. And, and I get. I heard someone say, and it was kind of a good. You know, I, I kind of like this benchmark where back in, you know, 2019 or whatever, when it came out, they said, listen, everyone steals signs. Everyone does it. But when you're putting equipment out to steal it, that makes a difference. And I was like, that right. I agree with. Right. But when, yeah, I, I'm with you when people are like, well, my team never cheats. And it's like, buddy, they probably have. And again, you rooted for cheaters. You, you, you know, you, you, you cheered these guys. And again, they cheated. So I, I, I'm with you. It's like, dude, every team is cheated doing mm. something whether it's, I mean, there could be a billion different things they do, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's like Yankees and, fans, your, your letter was sealed and then it was unsealed, but again, you guys were cheating as well. So and y'all, you, y'all, you guys don't have much ground to stand on.
0: If the Orioles weren't cheating, it was only because there was no point. Like legitimately, yeah, there, yep. was no, there was no point for them to be doing it because they were so bad. It, what, what, what would have been the point in that? Now, have you, well. an, have you had an opportunity to talk to Trey since the trade?
8: yeah i texted him i think thursday i because I, I i didn't want to overwhelm him um you know with everything that had happened on monday i i, I gave him a couple days and of course then he hit his. I, text, I think it was the day that he hit his first home run so maybe that was wednesday mm-hmm. um and yeah i just said you know hey man i was like i hey, wanted to give you some time um again just kind of reiterated like you know i know you know but like what you meant to baltimore and the fans and and all that stuff because like there i mean there's a bunch of stuff i've shared it on my personal facebook and what you've seen and and um and and my instagram but i mean he he would text me before every season and and my my brother has special needs and he would just say hey whenever alex wants to come out to batting practice you know let me know well i'll leave two batting practice tickets for you he's done stuff like that like he's i mean you know i i have a i took a video my dad took a video a couple years ago him giving my brother a signed ball before one of the games. And, and again, like just all, all stuff that was very unprompted. And again, I was tell him like, I'm not going to put it on Twitter. I, I, it's more personal. And, um, you know, just, just, just some cool memories that we have between us. Um, but yeah, I, I texted him and I just said, you know, you know what you did for my brother and, and how you treated him, you know, when you would see him and, and, you know, Mo especially. Um, I was just like, I, I want you to know that the city loves you. The fans love you. You know, the team will, you know, loves you. And, you know, you're an Orioles Hall of Famer, I'm sure. And, you know, I, I, I think I ended it with, you know, I'll see you back in here in September and go win that ring in October.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that that, that seems is going to be packed. Uh, when the Astros come to town for some of the games. Maybe not all of them. It really depends on if the Orioles can stay in this thing. We'll get to that here in a second. But Trey coming back with the Astros at the end of September, I think it's going to be a pretty packed house to welcome him back. Now, the return that the Orioles got for him, Seth Johnson, who just had Tommy Johnson, which uh, he'll probably miss just about all of next year, and Chase McDermott, who looks like a back-end reliever to me, which is the the fact that they got two guys that can help this team at any point. uh, Were you... Keen on the return considering Trey is basically a two month rental.
8: Yeah, I mean, I say th- again, I'm not, I wasn't diving deep into like, well, he was ranked this with this team and mm-hmm. he was ranked this, and, and here was a scattering report. I, I leave that to, to the other people, the guys who were really good at it on Twitter. And when right. I was seeing people be like, hey, you know, that was the number two guy in the race system, and this guy was, you know, really good with the Astros. And I was thinking, okay, like that's, that seems to be, you know, every, every article I read or every tweet I saw was, was very high on the return. And I mean, you and I know that God knows how these guys are going to work out. They, he could get hit by a train tomorrow, you know, and, and, and he will never turn out to be anything, but it's like the, 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 it seems like they got two pretty good, again, pitching prospects for a guy who's likely going to be a two month rental there. So, that I think that did help lessen the blow. If it was like oh they got you know a 17 year old in the Gulf Coast League and they got you know a 24 year old guy who hasn't been able to you know break a ball or something like that you know like right I, I, I was very I was very happy with what I was reading because again I had no idea who these guys were before Monday around 4:30 but I, I was I was very happy with it and again it's it's I guess you know we'll see we'll see him after he's done with his Tommy John because I guess he got it down in Dallas right when um. Who's it, Zach Peake got his? Yeah. Peake?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah.
8: The same so, cer- yeah, the I mean, same surgery
0: did both of them on the same day, I think actually.
7: I
8: I wonder if he, got the, he got that he got that oral or I get, I wonder if he gave the Orioles the discount like a 2
0: for <laughs> 1 or something. But, like a Little Costco yeah, yeah, Tommy I, John surgery. Yeah, who knows,
8: you know. They they may have it set up like that, but yeah, I, I again, I think it definitely helped lessen the blow of of losing a guy like Trey um where where all the return the, the return on that seemed to be pretty people were people were definitely um happy about the return that they got.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was I was surprised. And, and, and you kind of uh, alluded to this. Once Trey was traded, for me, it was like, it sucks that Trey's traded, but we, we've seen this coming for over a year now. Now you're at the point where it's like, all right, the trade has happened, let's push forward. The Orioles are in a, in a playoff chase now. Is that kind of your mentality?
8: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I get it that the team... You know, it 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 sucked, and and you saw the quotes from that that Monday in um mm-hmm. in Dallas or and you know wherever they played at in, in Texas, and you know Mountcastle straight up said this sucks, like it sucks, and and everyone is thinking the same thing, and then they went out and they played an awesome game,
2: mm-hmm. and they
8: you know they smoked the Rangers, and it it, it just I mean, again we have seen his chem Trey's chemistry to the team, it, I mean it was great. I think taking him away, you know, it's not like guys are hanging their head, kicking stuff in the locker room. I don't think going, what are we going to do now? I think that they, you know, I think that they have a good core of guys and Trey was part of that core. But again, I think they weren't blindsided by it. I'll I'll say that. It's not like they got the rug taken out from under them and they're sitting in the locker room going, what are we going to do? You know, I think you got guys like Hayes and Mountcastle and Mullen who said, listen, guys. We, you know, we still, we still got a job to do and it may have been different if they were 25 games under 500 right and they went, whatever, we just lost our leader, you know, let's go out and let's, let's play these guys and whatever happens, happens. I, I, I like to think that someone, you know, not, not made a speech, but kind of said, Hey guys, listen, Trey's gone. It sucks. We loved him. We got a job to do. Look, we're X amount of games out right now. Let's keep this thing going. And that's, you know, that's, that's what they've done since that trade happened. So I, I think that does speak to kind of the the core guys they have. Hayes seems like a guy like that who who will kind of grab a situation and, you know, really, you know, tell guys to buckle up or you know, let, let let's get this going. So I, I'm I'm very encouraged with how they're playing. Um, and again, I, I it sucks because, and I, I'll say this, I will be paying attention to Astros games all year all year long. Oh, absolutely. But that doesn't take that doesn't take away from from you know, my fandom of the Orioles, like I'm, I'm, you know, I got multiple screens, baby. We can watch, we can watch as many games as we need to. So like, you you know, the, the Orioles still have a job to do. And and like we said, I mean, they're, they're playing as well as they have this year. So I, I, while it sucked at the beginning, like you said, you know, there's something to do and, and their job's not done and might as well keep this thing going.
0: And speaking of that, Fifty five and fifty one, game and a half back of Seattle for the third wild card spot, two games back of Tampa Bay in the division, four games back of the Blue Jays for the top wild card spot. Look, Eric, they have fifty six games left and forty five of them are against teams that are currently at or above five hundred. Can they realistically stay in this race?
8: I think they can. Um I, I really do think they can, and I, I don't know the record of, of them versus teams you know 500 or better but it seems like they kind of play those guys pretty decently it, it's the it's the bottom team detroit and it's, it's 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 um uh oakland and it's you know those teams that they kind of flounder to who who's going with just cincinnati you know it's like those are the teams that they kind of not lay down against but they just they don't they don't play very well it seems like they again they kind of get up for those big series and we saw we that kind of starting, you know, two years ago where they'd steal a uh, series from the um, they sweep the Astros. Was that last year when they swept them at home year, yeah. or two years ago? That was last year, yeah. You know, it, stuff like that. So, I, I don't know, I, I definitely think they can stay in this. Um, I mean, a big thing, it just depends on injury, you know. And I, we're all still waiting on the, you know, Tyler Wells kind of um time frame. I know he said yesterday that he felt good, which is great.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, but you know, I mean, it, barring any injury. I don't see why they can. not Again, I mean, you know, we've kind of held our breath all year going, well, this can't last. You know, they'll win 10 in a row, but they may lose seven in a row. And it's like at this point I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's going to happen. I don't that letdown may not happen. Uh, just because of again, how, you know, they're just so good right now.
0: Uh, Eric, I'll tell you the 2020 the 2012 Orioles were 55 and 51 also after 106 games and then they went what was it? Uh, thirty-eight and six, thirty-eight and eighteen the rest of the way. So mm-hmm. you know, th- th- this is an opportunity for the Orioles to kind of say, "Hey, we're here. We were. These are the teams that we have to get past to get into the playoffs anyway. So this is who we want to play right now, and it's going to be a fun two months for for sure, for sure.
8: Oh, absolutely. And again, a lot of those teams that they're playing again, um. Toronto, Tampa. As I know they only have three. I think three or four against the Yankees left. It's like mm. those, those are guys in your division. So yep. again, you know them. Like it's you're going to have to play them regardless. And then again, I know they have what six or seven against the seventy against the Astros, um, and then they have fifteen against the Blue Jays. I think. Know, but it's 15. like again, hey, I mean, but hey, we'll 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 talk about it. I'm sure a lot in the offseason. No team is going to benefit more from this um, the schedule change than the Orioles. So so we will. I'm pretty pumped about that for next year. But again, they they got to play these guys anyway. Why not have it be in a bit in you know in a high leverage situation? Let's let's see let's see what Toronto can do. You know they've had some turmoil this year. They they fired a manager. They they've had a lot of stuff going on. So you know bring it. I mean again the Oilers are playing with house money. If they finish five games under 500 this year, I don't think anyone's going to be like man, this, this season sucked. What a what a downer. It's like no, you know what? Again, everyone is having a lot of fun. You're seeing it. I'm seeing it. Zach's seeing it. I mean, I got buddies who never tuned into baseball and I'm getting texts after one nothing games going, that was a hell of a win. Like, this bullpen is unreal. And it's like, yeah, you know what? And again, all the similarities to that 2012 tw- team because that 2012 team did the exact same thing. It yep. brought back a lot of the people who, who had kind of soured on them and, and tuned out on them. So, I'm again, I, I'm excited, like you said, for the next, what is it, 50 games left, 55 games, something like that. It, it's going to be... Uh, It'll be exciting.
0: Yeah, it, it, it feels it feels good to be an Orioles fan for the first time in a long time. Eric, thank you so much. I do want to get you back on the show here in the near, in the not too distant future when we have a little bit more time because I do want to talk to you about Mike Elias's comments about liftoff from here. Uh, but we'll save that for another day. Have a great weekend, all right? Thank you so much, man.
8: Appreciate you guys having me. We'll talk soon.
0: All right, take care. That was Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Maybe, maybe the number one Orioles fan joining us i think we got to
1: give him that distinction yeah uh, i think so
0: like i i put myself up there uh, th- that dude is just he's he's an orioles and he knows the guys too so to, to his core oh absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah. um we're gonna keep going we're gonna okay. keep going we're gonna, we're gonna catch our second break after kevin brown or after oh you know what yeah we're gonna catch our, our second break in about 10 minutes um, for right now, we're going to move into Orioles banter because it's kind of fitting because we just made that comparison to the 2012 Orioles and the 2012 Orioles were 50 and 55 and 51 after a loss to Tampa Bay on August 3rd. Yeah, Zach. Uh, they had 28 more games remaining versus winning teams, including a bunch against the Yankees, and we remember how back and forth they were, and then they played in that ALDS and. You know, I I'm still to this day. You, your original podcast was Nate hit the foul. It was because he hit the freaking foul ball. He did. He and, sure did. And the Orioles would have won that game. They would have gone on to the ALCS against the Tigers, and then all bets are off at that point, right? They went 38 and 18 in their final 56 games to finish the year 93 and 69 and make yeah. it into the wild card game. 2022 Orioles had the same record. Fifty-five and fifty-one after their one-to-nothing victory over Pittsburgh last night, it was the Orioles' fourth one-nothing victory of the year, which is tops in all of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. It was their tenth shutout, ten shutouts yeah. this year, which I think is their most since 1983. That's I, I, unbelievable. I mean, uh, d- ten or maybe no, I'm sorry, it's their most one-nothing victories since 1983. Okay. But ten shutouts is. Pretty damn impressive.
1: It's really Ten. impressive. Ten. I mean, when you, especially when you put it in the context of what they were supposed to be coming mm-hmm. into this year. I mean, how, the, it, it changes everything, historically really.
0: Historically bad pitching staff last year, and now this year... They have 10 freaking shutouts and four 1 nothing right. victories.
1: I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't really dug into it yet, but I wonder how the pitching staff as a whole compares to other years in Orioles' history where this one would rank uh, when you the, look at the, Team the, ERA. I mean, I would assume it's towards the back, but it's not that far down.
0: I, I, I Probably in the middle. Okay. What, I mean, yeah. you also have to think about how, how good the Orioles' well, pitching sure. staffs were from 1966 yeah. to 1983.
1: They certainly do not have four 20 game winners no. this year, but they do have. A formidable pitching staff, at least—that's what I'm going to call it. Formidable. They're,
0: they're, they'll, their bullpen ranks up there. It does. The, it their, does. their bullpen is up there. I, I, the 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 reason, one of the main reasons that the 2012-2016 Orioles were so good mm-hmm. is because their bullpen was phenomenal. Yeah. And if you look at the 2012 Orioles, I think they had six relievers with an ERA sub three. Yeah, um, probably right. And the this team has three relievers with an ERA sub two. Yeah, right. It's incredible. Um, the difference here is again we said that the 2012 Orioles had 28 more games versus winning teams. Yeah, the Orioles 56 games left this year, 45 against winning teams, 45 including a lot. 15 against
1: <laughs> Toronto. It's gonna be like Toronto every like three series. At oh this my god! Yeah, it's gonna be a lot so, of Toronto.
0: I look at this team and. Can they play competitively the rest of the year? Do, sure. Do, do I think they can? Put, they can finish above 500, at or above 500. I absolutely do. Can they get into the playoffs? I don't know. You're playing a lot of teams that are in front yeah. of you, yeah, or that are right there with you, or in front of you. You've got Cleveland coming up. You've got seven against the Astros. You've got to play, yeah, Astros uh, 15, will be tough. fifteen against the the Blue Jays. I think you have six left against the Rays, Boston. Boston, look, they're five hundred. They're kind of headed in the wrong direction, yeah. but
1: they're not going to lie down for anybody. They're not an easy win. I mean, I I don't walk into Boston like I walk into Pittsburgh and say, okay, this is going to be you know uh, this is going to be at least two out of three. Right.
0: And you you've also still got to play. Um, the Chicago White Sox, yeah. right? Uh, so, so you have some games in there that are winnable. You got games against the Cubs, games yeah. against the Tigers, games against the Nationals, but you got to play the teams that yeah. are directly in front of you or directly behind you in the wild card race the rest yeah. of the way. And I look at this team and, and and I'm sorry. And I hate to harp on it, but I'm going to you're not gonna win very many ball games that feature Brett Phillips and Ruth Dor in the right, lineup. Right, it, you, it, It's just not gonna happen. Right. You can't
1: pair the two in the same lineup, so, or, or McKenna at that.
0: I I I, I look at the team, and, and McKenna McKenna has an opportunity. He he's a great fourth outfielder he in is. my opinion. He's he, perfect he, fourth outfielder. A, a, yeah. He hit a 432 foot home run the other day. He did. It was it was a home run. Wood it dong uh, on Twitter? <sighs> gone in all 30 ballparks. Yeah. It was a, it was a shot, mm. a, and he had the he had that kind of power down in AAA. Um and he was a good hitter down in AAA. McKenna, I'm okay with him being on this team and getting a couple of starts a week, yeah. right? Brett Phillips infectious personality, if you want to hire him to, you know, go hang out with the Oriole Bird every <laughs> every home game, cool. That, yeah. that, that that's awesome. I don't want him playing for the for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. I just don't. And, unless his only role is a pinch runner late in ballgames and a defensive replacement. I don't think he should be starting right. any games for the Orioles. But that's
1: just a problem because that's what Ryan McKenna does. Right. right? And, and you, you, I've said it probably 30 times already today, but you don't need two of them. You just don't. And the good teams, if you look at them, how many good teams have two outfielders on their bench who. Frankly, can't hit at all. I don't think you're going to find that many. I, you might. You're going to have one. Of course, you're going to have one because you're you, you know your fourth outfielder, your your utility outfielder, if I can say the word correctly. Um, is going to be a guy who's going to be on the lighter hitting side. But you don't have two of them in the same roster. It just doesn't happen for winning teams. So this move, you know, I, I said it on uh, to a few people, a few friends that. This is probably the most confusing and worst move Michael Elias has made in his tenure in Baltimore. I, I would say that. I, I don't get it. And then even when they asked him about it, Michael Elias said, "Oh, we just like his energy," which I don't think, frankly, is a good enough explanation on why Brett Phillips is in an Orioles uniform.
0: Well, I, and I look at that, and, and I feel like the move was made almost to say, "Hey, we know what Trey meant to this ball club. Let's yeah. bring in somebody else who has that kind of personality." Uh, but yeah. I
1: just—you could have at least tried to claim him off waivers, right? Why have right. to even trade for him? Right. That makes yeah. it even worse. Yeah.
0: R. R. I. P. Cash consideration. <laughs> um,
1: no, but but look, this is a team where
0: if you legitimately think that you can stay in this, mm-hmm. you have to make a couple of moves within your organization. Yeah, and the first move I'm making on t- on on Monday is calling up Gunnar Henderson. I'm calling up Gunnar Henderson, and I'm DFAing Roof Neto Door. Rufnet Odor's four for his last 35. He's got a 193 batting average. Do you have his numbers in front of you? Um, no, I don't.
1: I don't have his numbers. I mean, they've been, for the past two months or so, or really the past month, they've been incredibly for, terrible.
0: Well, they've been incredibly terrible the entire year. He only has one He uh, yeah. only has one month this year where he's hit above 200. There was a
1: point in May or June, though, where he wasn't so awful. Yeah, in June, he still only hit yeah. 208. Mm, not good. Okay, but for the year,
0: for the year, Rufnet Odor is slashing 193, 253, mm-hmm. 365 with an
1: OPS of 618. And I could live with the 193 if his on-base percentage was like 315 even. But 253, and then you're looking at only a slugging percentage of 365 for a guy who's supposed to be you know, one of the better power hitters on this roster. It's just not good across the board. It's not good across the when board. When did his last home run? I can't remember that. I think I, his, I, I think his I last know. home
0: run was on July 3rd. I, it, was it, it, it one of the walk-off ones that he No, hit? it wasn't a walk-off okay. homer. He hasn't hit a walk-off homer since May. Okay. It, it was on July 3rd. It gave the Orioles a one to nothing lead. It was a ball game that they won. It was a, it was a, that game against... It was the the final game against the Twins. They should have swept that series. It was a final okay. I remember I was in my buddy's pool, and we were listening to the game, okay. and they were talking about Odor had homered. Okay. And that was his last home run. He hasn't homered in over a month, just like Ryan Mountcastle, but Ryan Mountcastle's a better hitter, a better player. Sure. And... It, I, Gunnar Henderson has nothing left to prove to me in, 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 the, in the minor leagues. Again, we mentioned it. Only once in his, in his uh, AAA time this mm-hmm. year has he gone back-to-back games without a hit. Yeah. He's hitting close to 300. His on-base percentage is close to 400. His OPS is close to 1,000. And he's got 17 home runs this year. This is a guy that deserves to be in Baltimore. You can play yeah. the third base. You can I play Ramona at second base, which is a more natural position anyway. You leave Mateo at shortstop. You can DH or play in the outfield with uh, with Terran Vavra. That's another. Now you have three guys in your lineup who legitimately take professional bats. Because even if Gunner comes up and hits... Uh, say he hits 200, which I don't think he's going to do, but say he hits 200, he's still going to get on base at a 350 clip.
5: Okay.
0: Yeah. You have to have... Guys in your lineup that can take professional bats and get on base, that can play good defense and actually help your team win.
1: If I were a betting man... I'd say Gunnar Henderson appears for the first time in May of twenty three, but I I still am a I, I, I'm still it's not that I'm against Gunnar Henderson being here right now. I'm not against it because I do agree with you that he's proved everything really he had to prove. I I agree with you there. I just look at it from the Orioles perspective and I see them not doing it. If that makes sense, well, but and, and I see and, it as and, unlikely. And here's the thing, and I get it. It's different regimes, mm-hmm. right? Sure.
0: But if Mike Elias says it's lift off from here, our window is open for championship baseball for the next decade, right? So you're saying this is just a jumping off point and it's only up from here. Mhm. The 2012 Orioles, they hadn't they, they had 15 14 consecutive losing seasons leading into yeah. that 2012 season, okay? They go 93 and 69. What did they do in August? They called up Manny Machado. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. They get Joe Saunders into their into the rotation. They trade for um, Jim Tomy, because it, it was in August. It was after the trade deadline. But there's like kind of like an unwritten rule between the GMs that if somebody makes a trade, you don't claim somebody who's who, who's right. passing through waivers, right? You don't do it. They made moves to make their team better, so they can make a playoff push, right? Because they thought that their window was open. If the Orioles believe, if Michael Elias believes that their window is open, and now you have incentive to have rookies on your opening day roster because you get an extra comp pick if they don't win rookie of the year, if they don't finish top two in rookie of the year, and that's a betting man's probably going to take that every time. So Gunnar Henderson's going to be here on opening day next year. This doesn't affect his service clock this year. He's not going to, I don't think he accrues enough. Maybe he does.
1: Uh, I believe he would. No,
0: he would. He would because you only need yeah. to play fifteen. You only need to be yeah. on, the, on the roster for fifteen days. But he doesn't lose rookie status,
1: right? No. So no, he doesn't. He does not lose rookie status. Yeah. So
0: I look at this and I say, why would you not call up Gunnar Henderson? Gunnar Henderson makes your team better, and you don't have to trade anything to have mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything but simply DFA a bad baseball player to add him to the roster and bring him up. The, 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 it makes too much sense it makes too much sense if michael elias really is saying it's lift off from here and our decade long uh, championship run that window is open now mm-hmm. why would you not call up the best players to have on your team frankly i don't have an
1: answer for you i don't i don't there I, is no answer I, I don't have an answer for you but i all i, I, will, all I will say is that michael elias if i'm him right now that's and I have his thoughts going through my head, then I'm probably not doing it yet. I I but don't. But why? I,
0: what 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 is his? What is his?
1: his I don't know. What You'd would have be to the ask rationale? him. You'd have to ask him. But but if you're Michael Elias and you <laughs> have his I'm Michael thoughts. Elias. I, what, what, I is think, it, what is what is the rationale? Given the fact that he's 21 years old and that you have you know uh, Jordan Westberg, who yes he's not playing as well, but he's a little bit older and has more experience. He has that college experience. I think Westberg at this moment makes more sense, and I think Gunnar Henderson. You just don't okay 21 so, year old. It's it's a bit young. It's so just then, a bit young.
0: I'm, I mean Juan Soto was playing in the World was, Series at 21. He was okay. Ron, I just Ron, think Ronald Ron Acuna and Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado were playing in the major leagues at 19. Same thing with Bryce Harper. Now I'm not saying that Gunnar Henderson is Bryce Harper or Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis, but he's damn good. Keith Laws has rated him as his number two prospect in all of baseball.
1: I I think Michael Elias has to be more sure that the Orioles are actually competing this year. That that's my my entire point here. He's 21, so the fact that you can have a 22 year old baseball player who comes in with no service time at all but next see, year it, is it, a pretty
0: it's a pretty exciting it's, thing. It's it's a chicken or the egg situation then, because either you're competing. And Gunnar Henderson helps put you over the top, Mm -hmm. or you're waiting to see if you're going to compete. The Orioles are 16 games above 500 since June 11th. What more do you? You're talking two months of baseball. What more do you need to see from your team? It's a it's a good question. It's a good question. And and we I I want to see if we're really competing. You want to see if they're going to fall off. But if you call them up now, maybe they don't fall off. So to me, it just to me it just makes now. And we are so behind. We got to get Kevin Brown on the line here in a minute, but we have to take a break first. Um, are you? Do you think that there's a chance that they call up Jordan Westberg? Yes, I do. You I do, absolutely think that do. A Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, we we're going to talk about this at the end of the show because this is this is too. A, it's too too much fun, and B, it's too important to only give ten minutes to. We got to catch our final break. I'm gonna text Kevin Brown, tell him we're calling. We just hit a break, and we're calling him soon. We're gonna come back. I just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now. And it's our very first salute to coached, coaches' issue on the cover. We recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season, and inside tribute to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, uh UMBC coach soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer. coach. Coach Sasha Sarovski and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and Poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerel. The athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted offer insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and turps at PressBoxOnline.com. Kevin Brown next. This is the Battle Round.
4: Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to VisitHowardCounty.com. Maryland. Open for it.
5: Hey Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5:05. The first 15,000 fans, 15 and over, will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t shirt. Then stay post game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Light I Love the 90s concert featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets.
4: Summer is in full swing and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number 2 sauce. And try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off
8: right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night.
4: The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karingi, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker, and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerel, the athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted, offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com PressBoxOnline.com <laughs>
6: Point Boulevard.
0: All right, welcome back to the battle round. Coming to you live from our new Towson studios here in Towson. A beautiful Saturday here on the line now from the Orioles television and radio networks. The broadcaster extraordinaire, who we are so happy is now uh, do- working a full time schedule for the Orioles. He is Kevin Brown, and he's live with us on the battery on Kevin. It's Paul. It's Zach. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, h- hang on one second. You're a little. You're a little low, Zach. What's going on over there? I do not
1: know. But you guys, hear me. Yep, we got oh, you now. We do we, now.
0: We got you now. Sorry, sorry about that, Kevin. Uh, and also, we are sorry that we uh, ran a little bit long. I know that you have uh, a limited time with us, so we're going to keep things a little bit shorter with you today. But good morning. How are you?
7: I have sixty. I have sixty seconds. Fifty nine, fifty eight. All right. Should, should Gunnar Henderson
0: be on the <laughs> Orioles? Go.
7: <laughs> I got no. I got time. I'm good. All right,
0: uh, Kevin. How remarkable has this season been?
7: Um extremely remarkable, extraordinarily remarkable, remarkably remarkable. (laughs) I I don't know if I'm painting a great word picture here, but yeah, look, anybody that tells you they saw this coming is lying. Mm -hmm. Nobody saw this coming outside of the clubhouse. Nobody saw this coming inside the clubhouse. The hope was that it would be a season where there would be a lot of visible, individual signs of progress and maybe some collective signs of progress, but nobody saw this bullpen coming. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway for me. I I think the offense has been probably about what was expected. To be honest, the thing that excited me most coming into this season was this fairly young lineup. And I'd say by and large it's been okay. It it hasn't been an overwhelming offensive year. The only player that I'd consider as overwhelming offensively in a way is Adley is overwhelming with his patience and with his ability to hit doubles. Mm-hmm. But I thought if this team surprised people, they would surprise people by winning some higher-scoring games. That's been the shocking thing for me. Is really, I look back to the beginning of the year, and I say, this, this is a team that should score some more runs than last year. They really haven't. Yeah. But they're just pitching brilliantly, and I continue to wonder every week if this is going to be the week where the bullpen starts to break out a little bit, and every week is a week where the bullpen seemingly holds up. So I hope it could continue. I really do. And we're uh, past the 100-game mark now. I, I think we're out of the realm of small sample size and into the realm of this is a legitimately good team. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with this month with Toronto and Tampa and Boston and Toronto again. It's going to be hard, but uh, like this is this is not a fluke at this point. Whether the team makes the postseason or not, I, I think 106 games, you have to say, and I will say, this is no longer a fluke.
0: Yeah, no, you you can't say it's a fluke. And then I I I saw this last night. The Orioles won their major league leading fourth one to nothing game last night. It's ten shutouts for the team uh, on the season. That's like you said. That's got to be the most impressive thing when you look at how historically bad this team was from a pitching perspective last year. And then they come out this year and they have ten shutouts and four one to nothing victories. Like it's mind boggling, Kevin. I, 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 how are they doing this with a, a staff that? seems pretty similar to last year with the exception of a couple of guys removed from the, a few guys now, more than a couple, but from the beginning of the season, a couple of guys removed from the bullpen.
7: Well, well, certainly part of it has to go to those new guys in the bullpen. I, I think back to the opening series of the year when Felix Bautista's Major League debut came in the second inning of the game,
2: mm-hmm. and
7: now he's pitching in the ninth inning right, and the eighth inning of most games. You know, Perez was Uh, a waiver claim that the Cincinnati Reds didn't have space for. I mean, the Cincinnati Reds, who I know beat the Orioles two to three, but have been one of the worst teams in baseball this year and have had the worst bullpen in baseball. They couldn't find space for him. Um, The it, it takes some time. Sometimes, you know, nobody has patience anymore in the world. It seems, but Chris Holt, Darren Holmes, the organizational pitching philosophy, Ryan clinic, who's the director of pitching. I, I think there's a good chance that if 2020 had been a quote-unquote normal year,
2: mm-hmm. if it
7: was a 162-game season, it wasn't pandemic-shortened, I think there's a good chance you would have seen some of these performances and progressions more so last year. I just think the Orioles were hurt more than most because of where they were developmentally in the system Right by 2020. I think it's just taken a little bit longer, you know, in 2019 you could look ahead three years and say, well, Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer should be affected major league pieces based on their minor league trajectory. And that would have been a reasonable take, but going into this year, you would have thought, well, those guys are, are hopeless, right? I mean, last year they didn't perform. They really couldn't throw strikes. I just think it's taken a little bit longer. I think the organizational philosophy, the emphasis on strike throwing and certain techniques, I think that stuff took a little bit longer to to get into effect because 2020 was the short year and because the team is so young. So I I think if you were to ask Mike Elias back in the winter of 2018 when he took over the job, what the progression would be and if the team would be where it is now, he'd say, "I, I think they will be where they are now. But I think the way it's gone because of that 2020 season, I I just feel like that stunted the progression for a little bit longer. And understandably, you know, there were a lot of questions coming into this year about a lot of those specific pitchers. And I just think an extra off season, an extra spring training, like that stuff matters. And it's a little bit intangible sometimes as to when it's going to hit. But I I, I trace it back to that, I, I think. The fact that the Orioles were a little bit behind last year and seem a little bit ahead this year, probably there's a middle ground somewhere in between there where if we had had a a normal reality for three years, I I think the O's would have gotten here. But the fact that it seems like it's such a jump out of nowhere, I just caution folks. There was a lot of work put in behind the scenes, and sometimes that stuff just takes a little bit of time to bubble up. Right, and and if I may
0: correct myself, I I, I misspoke a little bit. It, it, there's a lot of turnover. This happened from last year to this year. Since March, the Orioles have traded uh, Jorge Lopez, Paul Fry, Cole Sulcer, and Tanner Scott. So it's not nearly the same bullpen that it was last year. But I guess my, my overall point was you have guys like Dean Kramer and Spencer Watkins who have ERA sub four this year who were getting lit up last year. And you look at that rotation and you know a lot of this has to be on Chris Holt and that analytics team, like you said. And it's just a natural progression where maybe we didn't see this coming, but they were bound to improve a, a, a great deal, correct?
7: No doubt. And I, I, the other thing I'll say is the upgraded catcher can't be overstated. Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, Adley, Adley, we all know. Adley is maybe as good as any catcher in Major League Baseball right now. I don't say that lightly. I think with everything he does, calling a game defensively, his arm, his bat, his eye. But I I know that people are frustrated with Robinson bat. I get it. He's at a well below league average offensive year, and His pitch framing numbers are not great either, so he seems like a strange guy to praise, maybe. But I I can tell you the attitude he has, the way he studies teams and opposing lineups, the rapport he has with a young pitching staff. uh, There's probably no number that will indicate his value. I I know his war will not look good at the end of the year, and Mm -hmm. the Orioles obviously wanted him to hit more, no question. But having somebody like that who's been through the league, Who knows how to study? Who knows how to prepare a game plan? I mean, the Orioles just didn't have that. They just didn't have that kind of experience. They didn't have that kind of knowledge. They didn't have that kind of energy from the catching spot the last few years. Right. So he had that, and now Adley, who who also is a young catcher, you know, like some of the other Orioles have been, his work ethic, his catching brain, his skill set—it's just different. It's totally different. So I I can't emphasize enough what those two have meant and how much of a difference that's been from the last couple of years. Kevin,
0: I, I will tell you, every game that I watch that Adley Rutschman plays in, I find myself saying at some point, this kid is just so damn good at baseball. Do you find yourself thinking that about about Adley and other players on this team on a nightly basis? You're watching him play and you're just like, man, they're just really good.
7: I I am giddy every time I watch him. I really am. Whether it's a double or whether it's the way he approaches pitches and the way he lays off some really tough sliders or change-ups or the way he frames the ball behind the plate or the way he blocks the ball. He's just good at everything. He mm-hmm. really is. I mean, he stole a base last night for right. God's sake. And it wasn't um, close. No, he, he is, he's special. He really is special. Um getting to watch him on a daily basis has been, a truly special experience. This is such a good rookie class, and Bobby Witt made the Royals out of spring training, and Julio Rodriguez made the Mariners out of spring training, and least banged up, and he took some time to get up, and I understand there were some frustrations, but uh, I- I'm ready to put him up against literally any rookie in the class. I've been blown mm-hmm. away by Bobby Witt. I've been so impressed by Julio Rodriguez. This 2019 draft class. I think will go down as an all-timer. Alec Manoa was in the first round, George Kirby, Riley Green. I I will stake my claim for Adley having as strong a career as any of them. I I just am delighted to watch him on a baseball field every day. He's just got a heightened sense of the game, the way he recognizes pitches. It's not like he takes a tough slider because he barely holds up on a swing. He just watches it go through Mm the zone. Mm-hmm. and just spits on it. I am I'm, I'm just pretty mesmerized honestly. It it's it's mesmerizing watching the way he looks at pitches. And it's scary to think of what happens when some of these doubles start turning into home runs because right. that really is the next step for him once he becomes a more consistent home run hitter rather than a doubles hitter. Um and then he's at the top of the game.
0: Yeah, you you look at Manny Machado in 2013, he had 52 doubles and 14 home runs. And then he has knee injury, the knee the injuries to both knees. He misses the, the large bulk of 2014. Comes out in 2015, and he hits 35 home runs, and that's that, that's what happens. You hit a ton of doubles, you get strength, you get better pitch recognition, you you learn how to hit the major league level, and those doubles start turning into home runs. And I had the exact same thought, Kevin, is that it's going to be scary when those doubles start going over the fence for him now. What I notice about Adley Rutschman, like you said, it's not like he's having check swings. He's spitting on these pitches. He takes professional at-bats. Terran Bavro, the thing I've noticed about him is he also takes professional bats And look, it's a small sample size. He's 6 for 13 this, since getting the call-up. He has five walks. He goes up there looking like he has a plan and like he's not going to deviate from that plan. The one time I saw him take a, a bad swing, the next pitch he lined into the gap for an RBI double. Uh, I, I, I see professional at-bats not just from Rutschman, but also from Taron Bavra. What have you seen from Bavra? um, And is he making a claim to get more playing time here?
7: I think he will. I think we're going to see him in the field more. I think he's going to start playing some second a little bit more. I think he's maybe here and there going to get a corner outfield spot, depending on matchups. I really do like his approach. I don't know if he'll ever be a power hitter. He may not. He may be a Um, He may be a bottom of the lineup hitter Mm -hmm. on a good team that sees the outfielders play way in, but is going to get his base hits, is going to get his walks, is going to wear you out in terms of pitches per plate appearance. He's an attractive bat to have from the left side. He's got a little bit of speed. He can go the other way. I think he's a player... I I don't know what the future holds because the Orioles have such a talented infield in AAA and AA. Obviously Gunner, Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby's been awesome at Bowie, Kobe Mayo. I don't know. Maybe he's a starting second baseman. Maybe he is a super utility guy. These things tend to sort themselves out with trades and injuries and things in the future. I think he's a big leaguer. I think he has a big league approach. Um, I think anybody who has that keen of an eye has a real chance and, I'd love to see him in for a little bit of power. I, I, I don't think he'll be a big slugging percentage guy. I don't think he'll be a big extra base hit guy. I don't see that in his approach at this point. But, yeah, I think there's a spot on a team at, at the very worst for a, a really interesting bench piece and, and a guy who can play a couple of different positions because his at-bats are so good and – there's a reason he hit fifth yesterday. It's because Brandon Hyde wanted to break up some of the freer swingers on the team. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get somebody who sees some more pitches in the middle of the lineup. Uh, he might have hit fifth again today. I don't know. A- Adley kind of came from nowhere to hit second after the All Star break, and it was a little bit of a surprise to us. But it's worked out brilliantly. I, I think Taron Bobber's is probably going to keep hitting in the five or six areas.
0: Yeah, and you look at it. He's been DHing uh, in-, in a good bit of his starts. I think in every start he's been he's been DHing. And you lose Trey Mancini. You trade him to the Astros, and there goes your DH. And now Vaver comes in, and he's getting on base at like a 600 clip at this point. Uh, so does that soften the blow uh, at all from losing Trey? And how big of an impact does it have on this team inside that clubhouse to have traded away Trey Mancini?
7: You know, uh, I, I think a big impact, but also, like in a weird way, this team is, is so young that uh, it, I, I just feel like the team of guys that are used to players going up and down the last couple of years, they're used to seeing lots of transactions. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Trey, Trey was a beloved figure in that clubhouse. So was Jorge Lopez. They're wonderful people. It's its not a facade. What you all see, they are great, great guys. The Orioles are going to miss it. But uh, the clubhouse is so tight knit and, like the experienced players, the Chirinos, the Lyles, the outdoors of the world, All right, they've been on teams where guys get traded and you change mid-season. They've been traded. They know how to deal with this kind of thing. And the young players, it's almost like they don't know any better. Yeah. I just feel like this is a group that is so together and is in a way so maybe blissfully naive in some circumstances. Sure. Like it, these are big deal moves, but you go out and play and it, look, if Cedric Mullins doesn't have a lead off home run in the first game after the trade trade in Texas, who knows what happens. That may be one of the at-bats of the year because if he goes down and the Orioles come out flat and they don't score in the first couple of innings, who knows? But it almost felt like when Mullins hit that home run, the first batter after the trade, there was a sense of the dugout going, Oh, we're, we're okay. We yeah. still have players. We still love the game. We're still going to play with energy and passion and, I don't know. That may be one of the at-bats that turns the whole thing around, but I, I just think this is a team that in some cases knows that this is the way the business works, and in some cases, with all, all the young players almost doesn't know any better, and, and that can be a good thing.
1: Kevin, I think we're seeing now uh, that Brett Phillips is really the roster replacement for Trey Mancini. But after the Mancini trade originally, Eusneel Diaz got his first cup of coffee with the Orioles and only had one at-bat, struck out, unfortunately. But how much do you expect to see Eusneel Diaz? Do you think he could be a piece for the Orioles down the line? Or do you think that just kind of a cup of coffee and maybe he's you know on the way out uh, in the next few months when, when the roster starts to make some changes?
7: Yeah, I think you would need a pretty big couple of months here. Yeah. I think it was just a situation where you had a 40-man roster player in, the, in a spot available, and it was easier to recall him maybe than add somebody else to a major league contract. You know, it, the Orioles probably had a sense of the Brett Phillips move, that they wanted to add an extra outfielder. So I know people wanted to see Kyle Stowers. I want to see Kyle Stowers. But if you add Kyle Stowers in Texas and then the Phillips move happens, then then what do you do? You have to DFA somebody else. So I think it was just the easy move at the time. Uh, Mike Elias said it a couple of days ago. It, it doesn't really feel like Diaz has graduated AAA. He just needed an extra piece at the time. Right. I'd love to see him I have a big two months. Everybody would, but you guys are right. There's a roster crunch coming. Stowers is going to be up soon. Um, next year, maybe Colton Couser. Heston Kerstad has had a great minor league year. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that. There's just a lot of outfielders that are around. Hayes and Mullins aren't going anywhere. I know Saad Tandir will be up before them contractually, but I don't think he's going anywhere for a little while. McKenna's been such a great piece off the bench. Now Phillips is here. Eusdale he Diaz just hasn't stayed healthy. And to get consistent playing time, you got to be on the field. Obvious stuff. But this is such a deep outfield system, and he has had so little opportunity because of health that I would think he would need a huge, huge couple of months in Norfolk. But I, I think if there's a long-term outfielder and somebody who's going to come up middle of the month, beginning of September, when the rosters expand, I think it'll be Stowers based on what he's done. And I, I think with Diaz, it's simply just a matter of they needed to make an easy move in terms of the 40-man. But Mike Elias saying he hasn't graduated AAA yet. You know, that tells me the pressure is really on for these next two months. Hopefully he can just stay healthy, period. But if not, uh, the Orioles are going to have to add some players to the 40-man this offseason. I think they'll need to add Seth Johnson. I read that mm-hmm. uh, in the Tampa Bay-Houston trade with Mad City, so he'll need to take a roster spot. And obviously, there are a few more key minor leaguers that'll need to get added on there. So, yeah, Eusneal might be playing for his uh, his 40-man status these next couple of months. I'd be surprised if he's not... Right on the cut line.
0: Yeah, he he had a couple of hits and a home run last night, so that's a that's a good start for him. I, I just, for me, with using all the writings on the wall, I think that there are plenty of guys who have already passed him in this organization. Now, uh, Kevin Michaelis did say in a in a in a lengthy statement the other day that there that it's liftoff from here that the the window is now open for this decade long championship type of run, uh, and the reinforcements are coming from the minors over the final two months. I've been going back and forth with my. Uh, good co-host, Zach, over here. The, I think Gunnar Henderson should be on this team sooner rather than later. Do you think that we see a, a, a guy like a Gunnar Henderson or a Jordan Westberg at any point this year? Or is it more so like the guys you mentioned, like a, like a, um, Kyle Stowers, moving forward?
7: I, I would anticipate we'll see Stowers at some point. I think I like you, like everyone would love to see Gunnar Henderson in the big leagues this year. My suspicion, and I had I really know nothing. My suspicion <laughs> is that Westberg would be more likely because Westberg is just a more seasoned player, mm-hmm. having been a college bat. Uh, and and I think they want Jorge Mateo to to finish out the season at shortstop and right. see what he can do the way he's hit the last couple weeks. Now, if Gunnar Henderson's ready, you call him up and you say he's going to play whether Jorge Mateo is hitting or not, but. I think Henderson, to me, is more likely an opening day 2023 candidate. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Orioles get to September and they're tied for the wild card and they say, you know what, this is the boost we need. But 40-man roster spots are precious. I know they've had to make some tough decisions in terms of players they designate for assignment this year already. Mm -hmm. I think in the Orioles' view, and it's a reasonable view, there's nothing wrong with giving Gunner another month or so of triple a seasoning he did have a little bit of a slower stretch for a while looks like he's come out of it in the past week but to me westberg who's a more seasoned player more experienced he would be the more likely guy i think to come up in september but i wouldn't be shocked if it's neither again just because Niters on the 40-man roster sure. um, but i think westberg in their view with his experience may be the next guy up Look, it'd be great. It'd be awesome to see Gunnar Henderson come up September 1st and help jolt this team. But long-term view, service time implications, again, the global view that Michael Elias talks about, uh, I don't think it's likely. It will be fun to be proven wrong, but I think it's more likely to see Westburg Stowers, I would suspect, were very likely to see because he's already had the Major League Cup of Coffee and uh, because he's been in AAA the whole season and he's really excelled. So I think we'll see Stowers at some point. And I would say Westberg more likely than Henderson, and DL Hall is probably the likeliest of them all, being at the forty man right now. Right. But um, I'd say Stowers and Hall. I'd be surprised if they're not here. Westberg could go either way. Henderson probably would surprise me a little bit more than the other three.
0: Were you one of the people that fell for the uh, fake Orioles account the other day that said that? (laughs) that
7: (laughs) No, I only heard about it after it happened. So. I don't have Twitter notifications turned on my phone. I, I have not done that for the last three and a half years, which has helped save whatever semblance of my sanity there is left. Mm-hmm. So, no, I didn't have that raging across my phone. Uh, quite thankfully, uh, I might add. <laughs> I, I just the day I turned Twitter notifications off of my phone was in February of 2019. It was the day that the Orioles officially announced that i was joining the broadcast team which is total coincidence i just wanted to turn my notifications off because i felt like i was losing my mind and um and then that happened to be the day they released it And i went on twitter that night and i had i i don't know how many hundreds of notifications and i thought i'm never ever turning these back on again so i am usually the last person to find things out uh, uh, which is not always great professionally, but it's good for my sanity. Hey,
0: hey they, they, they say ignorance is bliss, right? So I, I, That's totally, right. I, I totally get that. I, I believed it for about five and a half seconds until I saw the name on the Twitter handle. It was the same Twitter handle that had posted something claiming to be John Heyman about the Orioles listening on Mullins, Hayes, and Mateo. So I squashed that pretty quickly for myself. Final question for you, Kevin. I really appreciate you taking an extended uh, period of time for us today. How much fun are you having this
7: year? Um, More fun than I've ever had calling baseball, for sure. I would say the only year that compared to this for me, I did seven years of minor league baseball. I was with the AAA team in Syracuse, the Nationals AAA affiliate at the time, now the Mets. And six of my seven years, the team was was really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's April 17th and you're eliminated bad. And the one year they were really good was in 2014. Steven Sousa Jr. was the International League MVP that year. and They just had this great alchemy of Nationals prospects and veterans who had really good AAA years, and they had the best record in the league and hosted a playoff game in Syracuse for the first time in 25 years. And that was a, a real thrill for me because it was out of nowhere, and it was in a city that was dying for a good baseball team and hadn't had one for a while. So there are some similarities there, but look, ultimately as much as I enjoyed my time there at AAA bus rides and major league charters, it's a little bit of a different world. Yeah. So to see this city kind of light up and to to hear from people in person and on Twitter and at the game and to get a sense of the buzz has been special. Um, I was told when I took the job in 2019 that Baltimore feels like a real Ravens town right now because the Ravens have been so consistently good for so long. Mm -hmm. But to just wait till the Orioles get good again and to see what kind of a life there is into the city. And it feels like for the first time in my four years here, I'm really seeing that energy spring to life. So last night, nearly a two hour rain delay, still a Really good crowd showed up. Upper deck was pretty jammed in a couple of sections, even at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. It's just fun. It's fun every night, and the games are fun and close. And In a way, it's almost more fun than if the Orioles were winning by six. Uh, Brandon Hyde would be happier if they won by six. He wouldn't have to use his bullpen so much. (laughs) But every night is close and tight and exciting, and there are interesting uh, decisions strategically in terms of bullpen usage in terms of matchups in terms of pinch hitting or pinch running that makes it fun for me too uh, and you know to top it all off i get to do it with jim palmer and ben mcdonald Which who make awesome. every night fun whether you're losing or winning nothing so yeah i hope it comes across um to people i i'm just having an absolute blast
0: Kevin, you you're constantly posting how much fun you're having on, on Twitter. We we hear it in your broadcasts. Uh it, it definitely, definitely comes across. I'll tell you, man, I can't wait for you to experience a playoff atmosphere in Baltimore when they can actually open up the left field upper reserve and they can fill, mm. they can fill the entire ballpark. I'm telling you, man, there is absolutely nothing like it. Hopefully, the next time we talk to you, you'll be preparing to call some playoff baseball games for the Orioles, and hopefully that's in the next month or so. Kevin, thank you so much. Hey. We always enjoy talking to you. Have a great weekend.
7: Thanks, guys. You too. Alright,
0: see you. That was Kevin Brown joining us here on the Bat Around for a nice lengthy segment that was just top-notch. Really appreciate him coming on. He's always and, top-notch. Yeah, he, he's just he's, he's a good soul, and his calls are... We didn't even get to talk about his call on the Trey Mancini inside the park home run. Yeah. But the calls are always awesome. And for me, you can tell how much fun he's having. Sure. Calling sure, this game. I, I think it definitely comes across. Just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or... Listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with Jorge Lopez, Connor Norby, Gary Thorne, Tim Kirkjian, and Bruce Zimmerman. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now on PressBoxOnline.com. Long show today, but we're trudging through. Um, we got to catch our final break. When we come back, Take to rake and the payoff pitch around the league. That and more next on the bat round
7: It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
4: Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it.
5: Hey, Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans, 15 and over, will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s Concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at orioles.com slash tickets.
4: The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Klatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker, and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerel, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted, offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports betting has
0: come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fanduel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and v Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthall help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday thursday brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel maryland listen at pressboxonlinecom slash radio watch at youtube.com slash pressbox online
4: the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today
1: Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook General Manager Leon Twyman at VSYN's Aaron Oster joins the, guy, the guys every week to give you all the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help you make some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday brought to you. By the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. That's simply the bets and weekend at bookies. Thank you very much, Zach. Certainly appreciate
0: that. Um, just got to check on this real, real quick. All right. It is now time for the payoff pitch around the league before we get to take to rake. Uh, this show has gone so off the off the the rails with everything
1: I had planned, that I'm like somehow in a three hour show. I'm. This is definitely the latest. Uh, a a, a uh, what do you, what do you call it? payoff pitch around the league has been yeah, done. Well, this is the latest.
0: Uh, I, I, we've we've skipped in the past. I don't want to skip it this time.
1: Uh, Dean Kramer tossed six in the third
0: innings of shutout ball, and Ramon Arias drove in the lone run with a single through a drawn in infield as the Orioles won their fourth straight, shutting out the Pirates one to nothing. Brandon Lau recorded two hits and three RBIs back a quality start from Corey Kluber as the Rays held the Orioles at bay in the wild card race with a 5-3 win over the Tigers. Nick Gordon finished a triple shot of the cycle while driving in three and the Twins survived a blown save by new closer Jorge Lopez topping the Blue Jays Mm. in ten innings 6-5. Max Stassi hit a ninth inning home run to give the Angels a 3-0 lead but the Mariners came storming back to score three in the bottom of the ninth before a sacrifice fly off the bat of Taylor Ward gave the Angels a 4-3 victory in extra innings. Trey Mancini hit Two homers, including a grand slam, and drove in five to lead the Astros over the Guardians nine to three. All three of Mancini's hits for the Astros have been home runs. Xander Bogarts combined for S- Xander Bogarts and oh my gosh, I think it was Raphael Devers. Sure, but we'll go I've, with that. I've, I forgot to put in the other the other name in this. Xander Bogarts and where is it? This is really bad. I'm sorry. Hang on one second, everybody. This is the bat around the payoff pitch, and Paul is unprepared for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, I didn't put in. It was Alex Verdugo. Verdugo. Zinder Bogarts and Alex Verdugo combined for seven hits and three runs scored as the Red Sox coasted to a 7 4 win over the Royals. Paul DeYoung ripped a two run game winning double off of closer Clay Holmes in the bottom of the eighth as the Cardinals shocked the Yankees 4 3. Is it Paul DeYoung or Paul DeJong? Paul DeJong. Paul That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, Dylan Cease became the first non-opener starting pitcher to allow one earned run or fewer in 13 consecutive starts since the ERA became an official stat in 1913. Wow. Tossing six innings of one-run ball to lead the White Sox over the Rangers two to one. What's more, the one run the one run Cease allowed came in the first inning of the ball game. Justin Steele struck out 10 Marlins batters in just four and two-thirds innings, and Wilson Contreras hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth to take the lead as the Cubs spoiled the Marlins night 2-1. to one. The Phillies hit five home runs, including blasts from Reese Hoskins, JT Realmuto, Nick Castellanos, and Kyle Schwarber, while Kyle Gibson allowed just one run in eight innings as the Phillies cruised to a 7-2 to victory over the Nationals. Ronald Acuna Jr. had four hits and Eddie Rosario homered and drove in four to help the Braves even the series with the Mets, 9-6. to Rowdy Telez hit a two-run shot, and Tyrone Taylor hit a three-run shot to provide all the scoring the Brewers would need in the 5-1 win over the Reds, Eric Lauer allowed one run over seven innings to pick up his eighth win for Milwaukee. Six innings of two-run ball out of Herman Marquez was not enough for the Rockies as the bullpen couldn't hold the lead, allowing four runs in the seventh and eighth innings as the D-backs came back to take down Colorado 6-5. to five. And finally, Tony Gonsolin struck out six over five shutout innings, and three Dodgers drove in at least two runs top of the hyped-up Padres 8-1. to one. The Athletics and Giants were off on Friday and beginning a two-game series tonight,
1: which leads us to Zach's preview of today's matchups. All right, game one of the day is a doubleheader. Braves and Mets will play two today. First one's at 110. At City Field, Jake Odorizzi versus the lefty David Peterson. Then the Marlins and the Cubs, 220 at Wrigley Field. Pablo Lopez, maybe a future Oriole, against the lefty Drew Smiley. Angels and Mariners, 410 at T Mobile Park. Jaime Berea against George Kirby, the very good rookie that's been forementioned on the show a few times. JT Brubaker and Austin Voth for your Baltimore Orioles against the Pittsburgh Pirates, 505 tonight at Camden Yards. 605 at Citizens Bank Park, Nationals and the Phillies. Patrick Corbin goes against Ranger Suarez, a lefty battle there in the division Astros at Guardians, Luis Garcia Cal Quantrill, 6'10", at home for the Guardians Progressive Field Shea McClanahan, the lefty, against Garrett Hill, the righty, Tigers and Tampa Bay, 6'10", at Comerica Park White Sox with Michael Kopech, their great young starter, against Dane Dunning, who's also a promising young starter for the Rangers 7.05, Globe Life Field another 7.05 game, Giants and Athletics, Carlos Rodon, maybe if another future Oriole, against Adam Aller for the Oakland A's, Giants. A's at the O.Co. Braves and Mets game two of that doubleheader. Max Fried, who's having an amazing year against Max Scherzer, the matchup of the Maxes, 7 10 at City Field for game two. Nate Avaldi and Daniel Lynch will go head-to-head Red Sox and Royals 7-10 at Kauffman Stadium. The Blue Jays, they'll start Mitch White, their first start with Mitchell White on the mound for the years. He comes over in that trade from the Dodgers. And then the former Oriole Dylan Bundy takes the mound for the Twins 7-10 at Target Field. Domingo Herman not having a very good year, will face the former Yankee, Jordan Montgomery. The Yankees will battle the Cardinals at Bush Stadium 7:15 tonight there. Nick Lodolo, the former top prospect, takes on another former top prospect, Aaron Ashby as the Reds will take on the Brewers 7-15 in American Family Field. The Rockies and D-backs, Anthony Sentazella against Merrill Kelly 8-10 at Chase Field. Mike Clevenger takes on the lefty Andrew Heaney 9-10 at Dodger Stadium as the Padres and Juan Soto go to battle with the Dodgers. Final game of the night, Angels and Mariners. Reed Detmers and Chris Flexen 10-10 at T-Mobile Park. That's game two of that doubleheader as well. So we have some doubleheaders on tap. Uh, pretty exciting matchup with uh, Max Fried and Max Scherzer. It's gonna be a good day. Gonna be a good day.
0: Sounds like it sounds like it. we still have not figured out the final sta- the, the the overall standings for take to rake.
1: You won this week. I know that. Yeah. Well pretty, yeah. pretty easily.
0: I took Adley Rutschman this past week. You took Ramon or Zach took Ramon Arias. Rutschman yeah. seven for twenty one, four doubles, six walks. Ramon Arias, three for twenty two, yeah. an RBI and a walk. I won running I you away. know, I,
1: I don't think there's anybody I could have picked that would have won. You could have taken Santander. He wouldn't have won though.
0: He's got a 15-game hitting streak.
1: Yeah, Adley Rutschman had an I, incredible week he, though.
0: Adley Rutschman had a great week. I don't know that. that it, let's let, you know for S's and G's. Let's um, <laughs> let's uh see what Santander's week since last Saturday looked like, and we'll be able to tell you exactly what he did and if he would have been able to stand a chance. It may have come down to just overall on-base percentage. Because I st- I still think he had a nice week. Let's see. He had one four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine hits wow. in. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five. Nine for twenty-five. Okay. So he had the better batting average. He had uh, two, three doubles. You know, I and did- one home run. Santander would have won.
1: I was going to pick Santander, but since he was a trade candidate, I did not. Right. That's right. what happened. That yeah. yeah, that's what it was. You you, yeah, you couldn't took, take him.
0: You couldn't take Trey. Right. And. You couldn't take Odor. Well, why would you take Odor? Why, right? And then Remember Ma- where Ryan Blake took Odor. Uh, Odo, that was a shocker. Yeah.
1: So, someone took Pedro Severino last year, which was a shocker. I think it was a it was a guess. I think it was Kevin Brown. It might have been Kevin Brown. I think maybe, it was, maybe it was Jason Lockett for one of those two.
0: Did we have Jason on the show last? We year? did. We did. We did. I know early, we had him on the year before. Early in
1: the year it was like April. Yeah. We maybe maybe he did take Pedro. I don't, know. I don't uh, know. Something like that. Anyway, so I won. So I get
0: to pick first this week, and my pick. Is going to be a surprise. Okay.
1: Well, you can't pick Adley, so it makes it right.
0: I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle. Okay. He has a couple of multi-hit games this week. He has a few walks this week. He feel he said he feels like he's seeing the ball better. I think mm-hmm. it's, that's been evident in his at He's always going to have that chase in him, but I think that we're going to see him start. And the one out, the, the first out that he made, he hit a hard line drive yeah. right at the shortstop to turn into a double play. Yeah. Um. I think that Mount Castle is going to hit a couple of home runs okay. this week and really uh, start to get it going for the Orioles as they try to make this playoff push here uh, in the seasons final two months. So, I'm taking okay. Ryan Mountcastle. Who you got? When
1: you said surprise, I thought you were going Vavra. Um, That's a consideration for me, but Rutschman's right there. I'll take Rutschman.
0: Yeah, I mean, how can you not take yeah. Adley Rutschman?
1: Although Santander has that 15-game yeah, hitting he streak. Yeah, does. he does. Vavra's
0: hitting well. Yep. Um, Cedric Mullins is there for the taking. Yeah. You know, th- there's there's a few guys. This week,
1: there's good options. Last week, we were a little bit tough at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. So, um, final thoughts. It's not really a final thought. It's, it's a continuation. Of our, of
0: our conversation. Because, look, the Orioles have an opportunity in front of them, Zach. And, again, 56 games to go. 45 of which are against winning ball clubs, including 15 against mm-hmm. the Blue Jays. Look, first of all, are you satisfied with just a serious win against the Pirates? I, I, no, I want to sweep. They should sweep them. Yeah, they should sweep them. They, yeah. they should sweep them. And it's not because you think that you're just so much better than the Pirates. A, you are. But B... You need to win the games that you're expected to win. I agree. Right. You you have to take w- care of business with 15
1: against the Blue Jays coming up at 45 against winning teams. That's yeah. Tough.
0: Y- you yeah. you've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. It's a it's a right. The 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards um, this weekend. The celebration. Right. And so you need to. To you you had a great turnout even with the rain delay. The two hour rain delay last mm-hmm. night. You had a great turnout for that game. Last night. You're going to have another great turnout tonight. with, um, what it, I think Mussina and um, Eddie Murray threw out first pitches last night. Or maybe okay. uh, maybe one of them did it last night. One of them is doing it tonight. Um, Cedric Mullins' bobblehead last night. They're giving away a 30th anniversary t-shirt tonight. Uh, so nice promotions going on at the ballpark. You have a good ball club that's right in the thick of the playoff chase. Fans are going to be there. This is an opportunity yeah. to get a sweep Extend your winning streak to six games by the end of this weekend mm-hmm. because it's tough sledding after that. I think. Um, so what's what's the schedule like after you have the, the Blue Jays are coming to town Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday. Then the Red Sox. Then you're going to Boston for uh, four. I'm sorry, you're going to Boston for one to for a makeup game, okay. and then you're going to Tampa Bay for three before you come home you go before you go to Toronto. Holy crap, what a schedule. Yeah. Go to Toronto for three and then the Cubs come in for one that Thursday. And then the Red Sox come in. Okay. It's gonna be a tough road ahead. Should be. Should be. And so a, and it gets me back to the point that you have to put your best foot forward. And look, I'm not stupid, right? So I know that Gunner Henderson isn't the likely guy to be called up. I understand why Jordan Westberg would make sense in your eyes, in Kevin's eyes, in the Orioles' eyes. I just look at it and I say, why are you still worrying? Guys like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, you buy out their arbitration years. So I'm not worried about service clock. I need guys on the—I need. It, this isn't my team. This is the team I root for. I am not on this team. I'm not part of this team. I just cover this team and I root for them. The Orioles need Gunnar Henderson mm-hmm. and their best players that they can have that they can have on their roster, and you don't have to do anything that hurts your ball club to do it. Getting rid of Brett Phillips and Neto Door to get Kyle Stowers and um, what's his name to get Kyle? Stowers, I'm not sure who you're referencing to get Kyle Stowers and Gunnar Henderson. Oh I, God, I okay. <laughs> to get Kyle Stowers and Gunnar Henderson up on the major league roster should be a no-brainer. Okay. And, but yeah. that, but here's the other thing though, you didn't trade Hayes. I mean you, Hayes, of course you didn't. But you didn't trade Santander. So and you have Vavra. Vavra's getting on base at a decent clip. So where do you play these guys? I guess you won't yeah. call up Gunner because if you're going to call up Stowers, he's going to be DHing and playing in the outfield, and you're going to move. You're going to have um, Vavra playing more second base. But. Is the writing on the wall... God, this is like stream of consciousness. Is the writing on the wall that Ruth Neto Dora's days may be, may, may be numbered?
1: I think his days are definitely numbered. Um, you know, I, I, I think they love the energy, and he's a Brandon Hyde guy, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a Brandon Hyde guy. Brandon Hyde loves these um, fiery, passionate players who lead well. And that's what he does, and I'm not going to blame him for that. But he's, frankly, bad across the board. Outside of maybe his glove. His glove is okay. Um, so, yeah, I do, I, I do think the writing's on the wall. I, I I don't know who the replacement will be. I hope it would be Jordan Westberg. That'd be my guess and probably my... my well,
0: I don't know that they even call somebody up to replace him. To, to, maybe to not. To play second base. I think that what they do then, if they're going to DFA Odor, mm-hmm. is you call up Stowers. Yeah. You add Stowers to the 40-man roster. He comes up. You have Vavra playing second base. You have... Um, but then that, that makes your... That means that your guys don't get days off. You have to call up an infielder if you get rid of Odor.
1: Presumably, yeah. Presumably. Yeah, you, you have to yeah. because
0: because you're not going to have a bench
1: of... Maybe Aruz comes back off the injured list <sighs> at that point. Get him
0: out of my life. I mean, he's, he's a lot he, better than Rugnett,
1: but... I don't think he's I, a lot I, better. I at least assume he is.
0: <laughs> um, well, It's hard to be worse. Brett Phillips is somehow worse. Um, but, because you're not going to have a bench of Chirinos, McKenna... Right. Um, Brett Phillips, and then Kyle Stowers, and Vavra's playing time at DH second base outfield. Uh, You're not going to do that because then Mateo, Arias, and—Mateo and Arias can never have a day off. They they can't get hurt. They can't have a day Mm -hmm. off. They can't get a spell. You know what I mean? You have to call up an infielder. The Orioles having five outfielders, technically six if you count Vavra. Yeah. On their active roster is bananas. It is. It
1: makes no freaking sense. Got to gotta me. be four. A number is always four.
0: Yeah. And uh, uh, is Diaz uh, not Diaz? Um. Is Brett Phillips? Is he out of options? Can he not go down to the minors? Uh, I would assume. I, 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 I can I check guess, on that. I guess if it, I, he would have to be then he would have to be if the Rays didn't send him down to the minors and they just DFA'd him. He has to be out of options. At twenty-eight years old, he's been a major league player the last four years. I, I have to imagine that he's out of options at this point. So the Orioles can't send... So what's... I'll tell you what's going to happen is they're going to send down Ryan McKenna. They're going to send down Ryan McKenna. They could. Brett Phillips is going to stay on the active roster. They'll call up Stowers. And... Uh,
1: I don't even know. I don't even know. It, yeah, the, I, I don't believe he has any options. Yeah, I would be surprised.
0: Yeah, it... it,
1: it he's been they, in the league since 2017. I Breckle. feel
0: like there's there's... If they want to get if they want to get anybody else, if Mike Elias said we have reinforcements from the minor leagues coming up in the next two months, mm-hmm. and they want to get guys on this roster, you've got a roster crunch right now. You've got five freaking outfielders on yeah, your and a six if you can, if you count Vavra. Who else is there to play the infield?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. there's not a lot of great options. You talked about Richie Martin. Uh, he's not really an option. Aruz, not, not great either. So, Aruz should
0: have never been an option.
1: Yeah, other than the fact that he's 23, maybe there's something left there in the right, speed. Right, but, but, but let him figure out versatile. the minor leagues then. Okay, play. fair enough. Because he
0: was a Rule Five pick, that's know, the only I, reason that he has major league experience. is Because he was a Rule right. Five pick, he does, that doesn't mean he needs to be on your major league roster now. Yeah, Send I, him the minors and let him play.
1: I, I don't necessarily. I mean, Ryland Bannon is an option, nope. but I'm, I'm not no. a Ryland Bannon guy either. I'm just naming. And he him only plays third base. Kelvin Gutierrez, who some no. people really liked in the offseason. season. Um, I liked him in the offseason, and he came up and couldn't hit. Yeah, he's a good good defender again. Get a good. It, it's it's really it's pretty dry when you look at the it, it bare cupboard is what they usually like to say. Uh, it, it's it's not great when you it's, look at the Orioles minor league depth behind. The top guys uh, so, uh, that, that are on the forty, right, right, that are,
0: that are on the forty man. Because if you're not calling up Westberg, if you're not calling up Gunnar Henderson, you have to call up. You're either moving forward with Ruth Neto Odor and, yeah. and Brett Phillips, which means to me you're not taking a playoff run serious. Right. You can't have two guys hitting as poorly as they're hitting, playing in your lineup three or four days a week, and with Od- in O'Doris case it's five days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's Vavra needs to be playing every day. And if you're going to call up Sowers, he needs to be playing every day. I just agree. agree. I, I just, to me, they, the Orioles have some serious roster moves that are coming, maybe as early as Monday. I don't know. Hopefully. I don't know. But the sooner they get rid of guys who are all character and no bat, the better. Because you have guys on your system that have great character and they can also hit.
1: Right? Correct. They, they can hit. Correct. Right? Right? So, at least we think they can. <laughs> I'd li-
0: I'd like to believe that they that they can translate. If Taron Vavra's translated to this point, now we've seen plenty of guys get off to hot starts to start their big mm-hmm, career sure. and come back to Earth, and I think he'll come back to Earth. I don't think he's going to hit four sixty seven. You know, I I know he's not. I also going don't to. think that. Yeah, <laughs> but if this is a guy that can hit two seventy and still get on base of the three fifty three sixty clip, that's a guy yeah. that should be in your lineup every day. Definitely. So, and, and I just want to be clear that I'm not using this platform as a way to hate on Ruth Neldor and Brett Phillips. The bottom line is they're not good baseball players and I don't have anything against them personally. They don't if your team is a competitive baseball team, they don't have business being on that team. I agree. You know, th- th- now look, you can make the case that Brett Phillips has been on the Rays the last couple of years and he was mm-hmm. he had that big hit in the World Series. Okay. I can un- I can understand him as a fourth outfielder but then you got to get rid of McKenna and I still don't understand the move for Rufnet-O-Dor. Ruf mm-hmm. Neto Dor. Ruf Neto has never really played on a winner, right? No, I mean I he mean, was Texas, Texas was okay wasn't very good. with him. They yeah, were okay. Yeah, all right. He was on the Yankees but the Yankees DFA'd him, didn't they? Yeah, that, uh, that's how the Orioles were able to sign him. So and the Yankees didn't win a World Series or anything. They haven't won one since so 9 I'm so. not sure
1: what happened with the Yankees and Odor. He could have been on that playoff team. I don't remember, but they he he's certainly, like you said, never played for a quote unquote winner. He hasn't right. been, and even and if he's, had,
0: and he's it, never been a cog. I was going to say
1: winner. even if he was with the Yankees last year, which I don't, I don't remember. But he was—he wasn't—he wasn't, uh, wasn't a key guy. Right, he was with the Yankees. I know. What I'm side, saying, but, but in their in their, runs with him. in their playoff run, I'm yeah. saying he wasn't a key guy. If he was there, I don't know if they DFA'd him before that, or he just became a free agent after the season. But he certainly wasn't a key guy—not a guy that you could have, um, you know, placed any bets on to get a get, a, you know, get too many hits in that World Series or do much damage. So right. Um, so so
0: last year he played 102 games okay. with the Yankees. Um, postseason batting, he had one game, two at bats in go. the AL wildcard game. Uh, he played against the Yankees, and he struck out once. Okay, yeah, so yeah.
1: not not great numbers there. Yeah,
0: because the Yankees <laughs> lost the Wild Card game. They didn't get at, they didn't get out. Oh, uh, you're you're correct. Yeah, they lost the Wild Card game because Boston then beat uh Tampa Bay you're in right. the division series to get to the ALCS. Right. Surprisingly, now Boston is floundering. But long show, kind of went on a stream of consciousness there to end things, but a really great show. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks to Eric Arditi coming on and talking about Trey Mancini's impact on the Orioles and on the Astros and the return. And a great thanks to Kevin Brown, who is always great, came on, spoke with us for about 25 minutes about all things Orioles and how much fun he's having Uh, They were a huge reason the show was so much fun today and why this show was so good today. Thank you to Zach, as always, for everything that you do uh, every week. Guys, we will talk to you next week. We'll actually have a Ravens preseason game to talk about the end of the show. We will. Next week. Uh, Until then, as always, see ya!